1: Reveille, reveille, docks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: Yeah, it's the 19th of October. Gravity is real and the earth is not flat. Hello, everyone. It's time for Morning Combat. Hey, that rhymed. That was pretty fun. How are you doing, everybody? On this Wednesday edition of the show, my name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos, but I am joined by royalty, as I always am on this show, by the King of Connecticut. He's the BC with the CTE. He goes by many names. He's my friend and yours. Yeah. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell.
1: Hey, Luke. I'm I'm really excited to be here today on our Hump Day <laughs> show uh, because it's not just a regular humping that we're going to be doing today. Um, I got something to say to the people. If you're here and you're not excited about UFC 280, well, you can kiss our ass, all right? Because it's time, all right. You know, if you don't, if you don't appreciate a Latin woman, you can kiss our ass, okay? Step right up, okay? You know what I'm saying? You can get to stepping if you ain't about those things in this life, BC. Um, if you're not willing to watermelon vape on a live broadcast, you can, you can. Uh, yeah, he'll stay unemployed then.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do we right. how do how do I not have a vape sponsorship? That seems really
1: Well, you know, I mean your boy BC so far did uh attract two different uh Delta A companies that uh, you know, were willing to play ball, but uh, you know, there's like legal and stuff. I don't know, whatever.
0: Yeah. Whatever. I mean, isn't there a isn't there a, isn't there a podcast, a very good one that we love very much called All the Smoke. I'm just saying it, I'm mean, just saying it's things just, out loud. You know,
1: <laughs> hey, just, hey, Luke, oh, there's only one podcast that can keep winning awards that no one knows they did, okay? And that's us, so let's keep winning, all right? Let's
0: do it. Let's keep winning without press releases. All right, we have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to dig heavy into the details. We're going to shake things up a little bit because we're going to have a guest on Friday to help us with some of the, the UFC 280 analysis, the, some of the stuff that, right, you know, just before fight night, that kind of a thing. Um, so I'll look forward to that on Friday. So today we're going to do a UFC 280 main card breakdown picks, previews, the whole nine yards, plus a little bit of UFC news floating out there, some fan subs. So thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks everyone who watched the UFC 280 pregame preview with yours truly, BC and old Iceman, Chuck Mendenhall. That's just been a ca- fun
1: one. Look, save some breath and call us the A-team, please. Just, just, I mean, really, just, just do it, all right?
0: Although I did say, BC, you know, you know my rule. I don't always read the comments. I don't never read the comments. I check in here and there. I checked in on that one. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And people are like, why is Luke hurrying up? People, for two reasons. One, there is actually data that shows that there is a, a, a benefit to brevity. But that aside, literally, <laughs> that show ran five minutes over my get out time. And I had to hoof it to the train station. I made it by three minutes. So, like, I had to get out of there. Please understand that if there's more time allotted, I'll give it. But I was up against the gun here, B.C. You got to give me a you little know, bit of a break.
1: Look, they just collectively feel I'm not speaking for them. Right. But I'll speak about them. They collectively feel that, you know, you really couldn't give a shit. Awards, big time money, great friendship with me. You know, you hit a certain point each show where you're just like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And you let yeah, us all know. It's about it's it. It's
0: the point where the data shows that people begin to check out. That's why. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, listen. Neither here nor there. Thanks everyone who watched it. Again, I'm a marathon it. man, Luke. And if you marathon can't keep up with man. this pace,
1: you can kiss our ass too, okay? Thank yeah, you. Well,
0: I'm an Astro Glide man. In and out. Let it be Let it be done. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> oh, thank you, uh, Antonio Cromartie. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So that's what's on the show here for today. As a reminder, we're going to do fan subs a little bit later, so you can always reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. Uh, for Wednesday's fan subs, for Friday's dead wrong, or to reach the show's producers in general showtime.com is the label that pays you can get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can bounce but now you can get the 30-day free trial and then the first three months thereafter at 3.99 a bunch of emmy nominations for a bunch of showtime content absolutely so, uh, we'll
1: the see. best documentaries in the game luke and i just do want to remind people that now would be the best time to get up on this free deal why because your boy bc going to be on the call friday night 9 30 p.m eastern a triple header on Showbox, the new generation only on Showtime. Our final broadcast of the year on beating Isaiah Steen takes on fellow super metalweight Sina Agbeko in the main event. I'm going to be in Atlantic City, Luke. The land where time for God. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun fun time out there with uh, Barry Tompkins, you know, Raúl Marquez, Steve Farhood, and the crew. So a uh, uh, wonderful
0: crew. I can't wait for it. Uh, BC, just a quick question: Are you actually going to be doing the show from your hotel room then on Friday morning? That is a true fact, Luke. Ooh. Oof! The old the old J travel kit will be pulled oh, yeah. out again. We shall see how that this goes. It's a big that-
1: week, Luke. I'm going to be on the What the Heck show in MMA fight and taking on that absolute white trash brethren of mine, uh, Jed Meshu. All right, so it's there's it a rematch of that on Thursday too, Luke.
0: Have fun! Yeah, they love me over there. The uh, the management MMA fighting. Give them my kisses <laughs> please, by all means. Um. All right. What else am I forgetting here? Oh, BC the merch. I- well, there's merch, morningcombat.store. I hear there are some new Factory Town items in the store. What
1: have you so, seen? So I got to give uh, RJ Bagel Humper a lot of credit, Luke, because he doesn't even, you know, consult with us or ask us. New shit just pops up on the site, and to his, his, his recent track record, his consistency of late... They're all fantastic. They all come from some other failed idea he had, apparently, Luke. It's like, you know, that that great album, uh, Who's Next by The Who, you know? It started off as a rock opera, and they're like, man, this sucks. Let's just make rock, right? Uh, but right now, Luke, in particular, you can go to the sweatshirt section of morningcombat.store. How about the brand-new Bone-In Factory Town MMA sweatshirt? It's one of our best designs. And, Luke, you hear that bone-in in the title. Um, if you've got a big... Uh, well, first of all, let me search it. But second of all, if you're that type of guy, you should be wearing this type of sweatshirt, okay? Because only you know, only only big ones allowed, Luke, in Factory Town MMA. You know that.
0: I don't think that's what it means. I think it's a reference to wings.
1: I heard, I heard it both ways, Luke, okay? All right. You know, come on. I mean, you know where we're going here. <laughs>
0: Either way, just buy it. We don't pocket yeah. <laughs> any of the money, but it's good for the show. So there you go. Um, uh, all right. I also want to remind folks, AG1. AG one is really where it's at BC, especially since you're going to be on the road on Friday. I know you're probably going to have some of your travel packs with you in your luggage when you go down to the land that time forgot, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so easy, right? They make it so easy at athletic greens. Look, I'm not only the AG club president here with these ad reads. I'm also a client, and I mean that. Why? Because it's one scoop a day of this great magic green dust and I start my day the proper way, feeling clean, feeling healthy, that mild tropical taste. And it's like, you know, uh, what do I get from this? How about 75 high quality vitamins? How about that? How about minerals? How about whole food source superfoods? How about probiotics, adaptogens? How about you can start making the adaptations you need to really get out of liver, liver death, hell or whatever else you're fighting here? Because look, we're all old and washed at the end of the day. We're all fighting the good fight. AG1 is like having a bodyguard, right? Like Matt Dillon in that movie that time, My Bodyguard.
0: I don't think I've seen that, but I do know that AG1 is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything,
1: while still tasting good. Yeah, and if you've got a cold brew habit, you're already used to spending a certain amount of dollar per day. How about less than three bucks a day to take control? It's a small micro habit with big benefits. It helps you take the right step forward. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know you think, well, what am I going to do? Trust the guy with the bad liver? How about you trust those 7,000 people who have tried it, they liked it, and they told people about it with a five-star review? Oh, yeah, maybe two names that you know pretty well, right? Leading health experts. Yeah, I'm talking about Tim Ferriss, Michael Gervais, Joe Rogan, may, maybe even Dr. Mike, Luke. He's going to be boxing on the, uh, on the Jake Paul pay-per-view next week against uh, Chris Avila. Good old Dr. Mike. I bet you he knows a little bit about the AG1.
0: I bet he does. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. You saw BC do it there. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your
1: health. And look, I'm not committed to anything besides like my wife and and you know anything else. I just, you know, I give up quickly. But AG1, I'm here for the long haul and they're here with me. And you can be here with both of us. Here's what you have to do. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash morning combat. And with your first purchase today, here's what you're going to get. Those five free travel packs, which are a lifesaver. And then the one year supply of the immune supporting vitamin D drops. Uh, Not a bad deal. Luke, get your hands on that package.
0: Again, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. There we have it. BC, let's kick things off. UFC 280 is just days away at this point, and we want to get you ready. Let's start with that main event. Charles Oliveira takes on Islam Makachev for the UFC lightweight title. Technically vacant, although we kind of all lean in the direction that Charles should be champ. Now, BC, before I throw you the first question about the matchup, we don't have breaking news exactly, but Charles Oliveira did say something at this morning's, their media day, over in Abu Dhabi, namely that what he wants to do is after he beats Islam in his mind, he wants to defend the title against Volkanovski in Brazil, and then subsequent to that, fight Volkanovski again for the one forty five pound title in Australia. Is he getting a little too big for his britches, well, or do you love the confidence?
1: No, I I love that, and that's about what he. That's what he's about. Excuse me, and that's why this transformation here in the second half of his career has been so startling been so oppressive with the win streak and also the finishes record-breaking finishes and it's that it's that mentality i mean you watch the countdown show which by the way luke they look they used like a second of my voice in that countdown show i was like Aljo shouldn't be the champion but that was it
0: you know i didn't see the countdown show
1: did they right. put me in it are they no, no, are they man, also they run by the people who run mma that. fighting but look, what, what the countdown show showed you perfectly, and you already know his story, is this guy's just so hungry. So look, I don't want to go too fur- too much further from that because attached with that breaking news you mentioned was Dana White confirming a couple days back two things. One, that the winner of the Jan O'Malley fight, no matter who it is, is going to get the t- next title shot at Bantamweight, and we can get into that. But specifically, yes, Vulcano- the rumors are true. Not only is Volkanovski the backup for Saturday's main event, He's also getting the next crack no matter what happens at that lightweight title. So I gotta get your reaction to that first, because it's one thing for Volkanovsky to wanna do this, even though he's the pound for pound king and champion already, and take a take the same chance Charles just said he's willing to take. But now the UFC's publicly saying, oh yeah, yeah, he gets it next. Are you, is this the right move? I know you're a big, you know, CKB guy. This is, I mean, the a, a, a potential fight, no disrespect to Mah- Mahachev, but a potential fight between Charles and Alex for for the belt and maybe a two fight series is is a wild idea. That that is that's a that's a fan Super Bowl right there.
0: Yeah, I mean let's let's be very careful about getting ahead of ourselves here. The MMA gods have their own plans and they may or may not intersect with all of ours. What I would say is, I mean it's it's a tough one, right? Because There's two really good ways, I think, of looking at it. One is that, here's on the side that makes sense of the call, which is that Volkanovski is not just your 145-pound champion. He doesn't really have any clear contender at the moment. I mean, yes, you could sort of say um, uh, El Pantana. What's his name? My my brain is not working anymore. Oh, Um, yeah,
1: that guy, Rodriguez, Yair.
0: Yeah, Yair Rodriguez, excuse me, I apologize. You could say that certainly he should be next in line, but I don't know if people are screaming for that fight. Necessarily, it's a good one. Don't get me wrong; I'd be oh, happy to see. Oh, it's a very see. good
1: one. Let's yeah, be fair I about mean, there's that.
0: nothing there's nothing wrong with it. But it, the the fans aren't beating down the door to make that one happen necessarily. And on the other side of it, I, I suppose you could also argue that, like, look, we're talking about the number one guy in the sport. We're talking about the best fighter alive. Who, yes, there are some guys he could be fighting 145. But if you've elevated yourself to being a pound for pound, not just a great, but the number one guy yeah, you maybe should be getting a title shot at 155 pounds, especially since he's 33, I believe. So the time is kind of now to make some of these moves. On the other side, BC, lightweight is in this. We've talked about it on the show with Chuck, the pregame preview for UFC 280, where we're having this old guard, new guard kind of moment. And it's not happening all at once. It's this slow kind of, uneven takeover, and so it's creating some matchmaking issues, but you would imagine there would be somebody else they could really give this to, in particular if Darius wins or something else like that. I just feel like it may not be necessarily what is best for the other contenders, either 145 and especially 155, but it's probably one of the better fights you could make in the sport, and you got the number one pound-for-pound guy in it. It's a dream that alone fight. is probably reason to do it, right?
1: Dude, it's a freaking dream fight. And by the way, if, if Mahachev wins and then he fights his Volkanovski, that's also a freaking killer fight. But you know what you wanted to say without saying it there, Luke, is, hey, Volkanovski, instead of fighting the, the poor man's Chuck Oliveira, and that's, of course, right now, Yair Rodriguez, fight the real one. And, you know, if we get to that point... Good Lord. And I, yeah, I don't know the... if I would
0: agree that Yair Rodriguez is a poor man's Charles Oliveira. I don't think that's quite right. I didn't
1: say dirt poor, Luke. I just mean like he's, you know, he's <laughs> like, I mean, look, there's similarities. All right. But my hair, okay. They're not that, that, that
0: similar, really. No.
1: Well, they're both coming on and they're aggressive and they hit an early, not a rut, but you know, they, well, I guess you could say Charles hit a rut. I don't know about Yair. He had a couple missteps, neither here nor there. Luke, what is here? is this main event. I think this adds to the stakes, knowing that the winner is going to get Volkanovski. Um, and, Luke, we, you know, we beat this point down on the pregame preview, but it, it's the fan in me can't do anything but scream it. This fight, the main event for the vacant lightweight championship, dude, it is such an amazing clash of styles. I, You know, the X's and O's, the tech side of me, Luke, that, you know, is either not there or doesn't show up a lot at okay is so damn fired up for this damn what a fight luke i mean come on get all nerdy on me penetrate some dick man stats through the screen tell me something about this fight
0: all right well i guess i would i i I have a few i want to get to let me start with the odds as it stands today charles Oliveira at a plus 160 islam makachev at a minus 190 now bc here's where i want to start this conversation is on these odds and then the larger picture that's being painted I hear a lot of accusations that the MMA media has kind of just, you know, anointed Makachev as the next champion, and they aren't giving Oliveira his credit and, and acknowledging what he has accomplished. I don't think that, that that assessment is altogether wrong, and I also don't think it's quite... It, there's, there's a little something to it It's somewhat overstated, but here's the point I wanted to make. If you looked at the resume at 155, of Charles Oliveira, it's matter-of-factly better than Islam's. Like, there's no debate there. I'm sorry. Wins and finishes over Poirier. Wins and finishes over Justin Gaethje. Yeah, but nobody's debating that, Luke.
1: Nobody's actually debating that, though. So here's my question
0: to you. Is the reason why Makachev is favored in this contest is because while Oliveira has so many offensive tools, he is a little bit, actually, I would say much more offensively vulnerable and a guy like makachev is very defensively sound that one knockout loss early in his career
1: notwithstanding i'll tell you why it's a hashtag it's two words come come, come together luke you may have heard it it's catching on these days it's called holy hammer and uh you know <laughs> hell it's a joke right no it's not a joke in some ways is islam mahachev getting the habib rub before he's fully earned it well yeah I mean, but in in another sense, like, he would have fought all these guys, but, you know, a lot of these names were either coming off of big losses on the highest level or in line to fight for the title. It just didn't pan out that way. Yet, what did he win? 11 in a row? So it's not like he just got plucked from, you know, having won three of his last four and it's like, oh, is it too soon? I mean, the guy freaking earned it. Sometimes, and you saw that in Habib's career a lot, things just don't go the way of luck in terms of the fights coming together. But what have we seen from him since that loss? Just absolute domination. So from a betting standpoint, is Mahachev getting the benefit of the doubt for, that he really might be, although not the same fighter, and you know, good luck if he could ever be as good, but he looks pretty damn good, a great fighter ready to take over what Habib left behind, which was a dominant title reign. His title reign wasn't long because of circumstances, but damn, it was dominant. Okay, so you can sit here all day and take away from who Islam has not fought yet. But at the end of the day, I think he's, whether he's fought those guys or not, his style is applicable to, to convince yourself in your mind that it can, really can be implemented against anyone. Even someone as great as Charles Oliveira, who, you know, under the radar has been working on his own wrestling game. And that may have been the key to shutting down Poirier in round two to set up the finish. And, you know, you see in the countdown show, the training he's doing with absolute legit, uh, that Iranian wrestler that I, I forgot his name off the top of my uh, head. But, uh, Luke, uh, if you're betting on, if you're taking him as as the favorite here, you're betting on that, that Mahachev style. It, it, like... Those guys from Dagestan are motherfuckers, Luke. Their style is to come in there and completely take control of the fight, irregardless of what you're able to do. And obviously, Charles is a little bit different because he's the most dangerous finisher of all time, which only adds to the intrigue of, can Mahachev, if he gets the takedown, work from top position and be nasty within the threat of a next-level submission guy? That's part of why this fight's so great. But even with... Maybe he didn't get to fight all the guys you wanted to, and maybe you're not sure if he should be the betting favorite—not you specifically, but anybody in doubt. I think it's okay until we see it. Until we see that we're false here. Until we see him lose to to let him ride the momentum of what have been going on lately, and that's Holy Hammer's coming in here and and kicking the freaking door in. Luke, I believe whether he wins or not on Saturday. That there is great potential here that he can dominate this fight and finish the former champion who's trying to regain the belt. Look, he's that freaking good. So we can get past this talk of like did he deserve it? Blah, blah, blah. He's the betting favorite, dude, okay? And it's for a reason. He's okay. coming the hell on. He's coming on, Luke. All right. Fair- you know this.
0: Fair enough. Uh by the way, irregardless, not a word. Um, uh, just so that the uh, audience knows that
1: on this now, show, it is Luke. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is "irregardless" the official word of the show? <laughs> I mean, if they don't like it, they can kiss our ass Luke. Okay. That's you better right. believe Fair that. Enough. Now, let me, you asked for
0: some numbers. Let's talk about some of these numbers. These are the ones that really stand out to me. Charles Oliveira, uh, by the way, not a combination striker. When you watch him strike and uh, this is going to sound a little bit like I'm exaggerating it I, again, I have to clarify. I don't mean this in every sense of the, of the description, but, you know, John Jones, when he strikes BC, he has what I call single strike high variance. He's not a combination striker either. You might see two at most, three punches or three strikes in a combo, but it's pretty rare. Usually he just throws one at a time. But the reason why he gets away with it is because, A, he's got a you know significant reach. B, his timing is excellent. And C, his ability to uh, not throw any pattern makes him very, very hard to read. Right? So if he throws up high with the left, he'll go down low with the right, and then up high with the right, and then into the middle. And if it's a hooking punch, then it's a linear punch. He's very good about changing that up. Charles Oliveira is like that a lot. He has a different way of striking and a different manner of his stance and everything else. But that kind of idea where he's kind of single pot shotting you and then using that as a way to set up the rest of his offense, that's really what he does. So he lands 3.53 strikes per minute, which is good, not great. It's a fine number. He eats a lot of damage, 3.18 strikes per minute. So he has a positive differential, but it's not very high. Compare that with Islam Makachev, BC. Now, he has a very low, I would argue, strikes landed per minute, just 2.27. That's not high at all. That's actually very much on the low side, especially for a highly ranked fighter. On the other hand, BC, this is the one that stands out to me. Strikes absorbed per minute, 0.84. 0.84. That is insanely low. They cannot hardly land a glove on this dude. And I know, of course, he has that previous stoppage loss. Okay, since then, excuse me, since then is what we're talking about. Dude, they can't make contact with him at all. How do you feel like they're going to match up in this particular way? Is Islam going to be so far out he doesn't really want to engage and then he'll just get real close when he has to? Or do you think this will be any kind of pronounced striking battle?
1: Well, I, I don't think he can just be far out. And, you know, I mean, could he could he find success shooting from the outside? You know, at some points, yes. But, Luke, I believe he's going to have to get it in the fire to really have his greatest success, which will come in the physicality, the forcing of the clinch, and, and you know, in a, any method he can or wants to to bring the fight to the ground. Obviously, then that ignites whether Oliveira can be as dangerous on his back and provide that threat that, 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 w- that might force the fight to its feet. But... It, He's going to have to pass 10. I guess the, the point of what I'm saying is Islam to win this fight. Although the idea is to come in and be completely dominant, and for the most part, Habib did that. You know, once he got a hold of you, once he started taking you down, it's just downhill from there. I think Charles, we know Charles is too good and too dangerous to yield that type of loss. Is it p- possible? Is it in play? Well, yeah, Mahachev's the favorite. But I think there's going to—not only will he have to be in the light of fire because Oliveira can leap in from the outside as good as anybody and disguise strikes and really take some daring but crazy and smart chances and go for it, Um, I also think he's going to need to close that distance to have his greatest success at the type of physical domination that he's looking to do, Luke, and, you know— I see this—look, I don't know if I had necessarily see it in the crystal ball or see it in the excitement of all the combinations going through my brain of what this could or might look like. I'm certainly uh, thinking the idea here is that Mahachev has multiple rounds where he has Oliver on the ground and is controlling for a lot of it. But I also can see him getting dropped here. Like, there's going to be moments when he's going to have to prove just how good his striking is. And not even all, all the way from an offensive standpoint, although obviously that's the intention— even from the full defensive standpoint and being able to make those adjustments short of taking taking him down um he does have a lot to show us and that's what happens when you have such a one-sided run which is Mohachev has had we haven't really seen him have to in in high stress situations make those adjustments but i'm here to tell you luke He's, he's born for this. He's wired for this. I mean, look, in these hype packages, when they play that audio of DC saying, I've been in the gym and no one dominates Habib on the ground. Well, this guy did in practice many times, like, you know, that full-on accreditation as the next guy. Do you believe that? Do you believe Habib has trouble with this guy? Because if, sure. I mean, if he I mean, has, if he has, this never, guy's I, winning the championship yeah, on Saturday. I, I never right? know
0: what to make of these claims because, again, I'm going to remind folks in the training room, you will see in, a, in the course of a year in the training room, you will see – your very best guy in the room get his ass beat a few times. Like, it it will happen. There are times when the very best guy, depending on what he's trying, it's not working. He has an off day. It's not working. Like, you will see that. So is it possible that certainly through the course of training, Islam has had days where he's whooped up on Habib? I don't have any doubt that that's true. That's, That's the nature of training. That wouldn't be scandalous or, frankly, even really all that unusual. The question is, could he do it with regularity? That's a very, very different kind of conversation. And I don't know the answer to that. I want to go back to some of these stats, if I can, staying with the striking BC, because I have a theory I want to run by you and see what you think. Striking defense, by the way, for Charles Oliveira, 52%, which is fine. It's pretty good. For Islam Makachev, 68%. That is very high. 70% defense and striking. It's very unheard of to see someone this high level with that kind of AR. This, uh, has, well, he hasn't faced the elite guys, truly, but this further along into his career, have a number like that. But here's what I was thinking about. If you look at the kind of takedowns I don't imagine that, A, Oliveira will shoot a double. He can shoot doubles. It happens. He usually does it off the, the opponent's cross. Um, but but I don't think that's really what's going to happen. He tends to like that body lock space. And that works really well because if, it doesn't, if he can't find the body lock, he then switches over just sort of to, to a Muay Thai clinch. I think there's a good chance that Islam could neutralize that, especially if he's quick and has really rehearsed what he wants to do, where if he can find himself in that space... Rather than allowing a guy like Islam to, you know, put up the tie plum and then begin to work, control it with a tight waist and then find his way around it, which would eliminate a lot of that sort of intermediary, intermediate, I should say, offense that he tends to provide, and then lead to the takedowns themselves. And we can get to that in just a minute. But I, I, I really think that. Um, by the way, for takedowns, so that's clear to folks. You, you can get folks who can shoot way from the outside and get it but there's a reason why people don't. As a general rule, for folks who may not know, as a general rule, you should be able to reach out and touch the other person. That's how far you need to be before a good takedown to happen. Any further than that, your chances of succeeding at it go way down from there. Okay. You so, also
1: can get Askren, Luke. okay?
0: You can get Askren as well. That is something that oh. could happen. So I just feel like he's going to have to be on the outside for a while, but then to your point, he's definitely going to have to get to the inside. And I feel like we're going to see pressure against the fence, takedowns off the body locks, and then after that BC is where it gets a little weird for me. And that's the part I just don't really know because from straight-up guard, a a guy, any guy, is hard to submit. And if you look at the tape, uh, certainly against Chandler, it didn't work. Again, from guard, it didn't really work. Against Poirier, from guard, it didn't really work. Even against Kevin Lee, from guard, it didn't really work. It's the other things that he does, the back attacks like he did against Gachie and then Poirier eventually... And what he does on the ground, BC, what Oliveira does on the ground is what he tries to do is he goes for a triangle up up top at first, not to really get it, but to control posture, destabilize someone, make them move. And then he goes to leg entanglements, De La Hiva guards, De La Hiva varieties from there to either capture the back, to slow them down, disrupt their base. And the question for me is, what does Islam do if that begins to happen? Because then you're playing catch up with Oliveira. What he's going to have to do is find... His way to the back, or straight up into guard itself along the fence line, and that, to me, as you well understood, would be far easier said than done.
1: That's the that's the the game within the game. That is where this fight's going to be won or lost. True or false? Uh, So, so here's I agree. So here's the question. Then I I wanted to ask it in a more broader sense. You cut right to the macro in a lot of ways, but. Uh, or the micro i don't know you you cut somewhere luke you you cut it cuts like a knife you know what i mean maybe you cut the cheese but it,
0: but it feels so right
1: yeah and I for sure i also
0: cut the cheese as well
1: is is this <laughs> uh i don't think the debate should be will it, you know can islam take him down consistently i think it will i think he will okay the, the real question is can charles threaten enough with the submission to force islam away from his best case scenario when he's on top i mean Luke, i think that's when the comparison to habib to me is most true i mean he's dominant on top he's nasty he's violent he cuts sharp angles he makes aggressive moves it's almost habib like maybe they're not the exact same in how they sort of do the crazy chain moves luke and stay stuck to you but i mean when he gets you in a vulnerable position he takes the fuck care of you i mean he'll beat your ass okay is there will charles charles be able to scare him enough to, to 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 stay in a comfortable spot on his back where he can then you know like can, can charles submission not be on an accident or not be in response to a mistake but will he be able to to can it be calculated to charles's submission game meaning he's not sitting there taking big shots can he do enough to dissuade islam from doing exactly what he does as good as anyone in this game
0: I I definitely feel like he can tie up Islam, and then, again, we're talking about a guy who doesn't have a lot of ground and pound. Now, when he really wants to unload, he can. But again, he doesn't throw a ton of strikes per minute. He's not very active in that way. This fight could go a while, man. It's really interesting to see. I tend to think if you're Charles Oliveira, your best hope is any kind of clinch, clinch break, and then rocking him, and then obviously from there... Getting an advantageous position because otherwise he's just not going to make that mistake to give up his back if you're islam you, the question is you obviously want the takedown how do you want to get it that's really the issue do you want a double leg and then put him flat on his back you're going to have to fight off his guard which again you can do flat from guard Oliveira is certainly not a chump but he doesn't it, it's just i cannot overstate to you like if you just watch the world championships in jiu-jitsu, you just hardly ever see someone get submitted from guard. It just doesn't happen at that at that kind of a level, and so you you can do other things with it. And so the question is, what sort of takedown strategy does Islam get and pursue? How much can he maintain that? And honestly, that's really the hard part. I think from the I, it's from the body lock where he's going to have to get it, or he's going to have to do the kind of thing that Oliveira and Sterling are good at BC, which is look like you're going for a takedown but then just set up back exposure. I think that really is going to be the test. Who can more easily and readily create back exposure? Because I think you would agree with this. If Islam gets Oliveira's back, he's in deep shit. And conversely, if Islam, uh, if the opposite happens, where the Brazilian gets Islam's back, he's in trouble there. These guys are both suffocating with control. I, I would obviously argue that from the back, Oliveira's better with submissions. I think that's probably true. But I really think it's going to come down to the takedown strategy and the place which he finds his takedowns for
1: Makachev. Oh, I love it! I love imagining what this is going to be like, Luke. When it when it turns into a sustained striking battle for any length of time, for you know, I mean, you're going to start each round that way. But you get my point here. Um, what's more likely? that Islam will show us now that he's on the brightest highest level against the most dangerous guy is it more likely that Islam striking will let you down and he'll end up having to use it basically to try to set up the takedowns or is there a uh, how strong is the possibility similar to how it looked like Habib striking made a leap in the in the Connor fight i mean suddenly he was knocking him down with shots he didn't see coming is it more likely that Islam you know, improves upon what we've seen against a higher level opponent or naturally maybe against that threat kind of doesn't show us much there with the hands.
0: The thing is this, like as a striker, Olivera is just way better, just way better, way better. Not just from his boxing, but the ranges at which he can compete. Um, Obviously, he can go far outside. He's got devastating leg kicks, doesn't use them a whole lot, but he harasses with them big time, especially early in fights. Loves it when guys catch their kicks too, by the way, is another thing. He has that jumping switch knee, that jumping switch kick, which he landed on Lance and Lee and a bunch of guys. Um, I I think he did it on Justin Gaethje a lot as well to push people back. So I I just think what Islam's going to do is try and avoid most of that. I don't really think he wants to play any of that game because the longer he plays it, I think in general it goes poorly for him. But here's the other side of that equation, BC. This is the part about Charles Oliveira kind of that people love as well, why he's so entertaining. This fucking guy gets hit a lot. He gets hit a lot, dude. He gets rocked all the time. Now I don't know if I don't know if Islam is the guy to take advantage of that. So here's what I'm going to say: if it, if it turns into that prolonged striking battle for whatever reason, Oliveira should still win. But it's not like, you know, it's never a slam dunk case with him by virtue of some of those vulnerabilities. Again, I just don't think it's going to come to that, man. I really I mean, don't. I think I think Islam's go- the question. Also, we haven't even discussed is who's going to pressure the other guy. Who's going to be the one moving into it? Because as we've seen, Islam will kind of take a bit of a step back and then over the course of time begin to pressure. Dude, right Right. out the gate. I'm not saying he comes out like Shemaya, but you know this. Oliveira comes out hot.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's looking to – he loves to flash the the threat early to see how you respond, and then, as we've talked about, when he feels there's even a chance he can finish you, he's going to go for it. Uh, It makes the fights crazy. It gets him hurt, but, you know, he's been – He's been on a hell of a run that I still question whether, you know, how many times can you get into wars against guys this good? But obviously some of that is dependent, like those we've just been talking about, if Islam's striking can make a leap here and can go to the next level. And, look, when you watch him against the, you know, the inferior level of competition, I mean, when he lands that that left cross, which was sharp and on the money to to knock out Gleison Tebow with one punch, I get the difference in competition is he going to be able to get that strike off and make that that a threat against Oliveira?
0: I don't know. I also, it should be pointed out, Oliveira seventy four inch reach. Aslam Makachev, seventy. Now, Oliveira does have a good jab. You wouldn't really call him a, a jabber, right? That's just not what he does for a bet. He could. Periods.
1: I bet he could if he wanted to make that change in his. You game, think though, he, huh? you
0: think he jabs this time around?
1: I think he could be a more of a boxer, but I, but like I don't know. I think this this ties into what I mentioned earlier, and I did want to bring up again. Uh, Luke, are you aware that he hired this this special multi champion Iranian wrestling coach? The guy's name is uh, Ali Reza Noai. Uh
0: and, I am vaguely aware of it. Why?
1: Well, and the, on the countdown show. Uh, Nawai mentioned that he's, you know, he went and lived and trained at Dagestan, and you know the the big quote that comes out of here is, you know, I've wrestled against guys better than Habib and Islam and and beaten them. Um, you know, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of machismo here, Luke. But uh, can can that make a big difference when you consider that just two fights ago it did look like Oliveira's wrestling you know, made a leap or at least in his intention to use it. I mean, look, he was nasty covering up Poirier's mouth. I mean, he was just all over him and mauling him. And while I don't expect him to have huge offensive wrestling success in this specific matchup, how much can time with a coach with this level of experience allow him to just take what he's already building on and take it to the next level?
0: I mean, the point is for me is that like it's very helpful, but it doesn't radically change things. Like, it just can't. Like, he's, what, 33 now, I think, Oliver, maybe 34, something like that. Um, 32, I think. Yeah. Well, he just had a birthday this week.
1: Oh, then he just turned
0: 33. Yeah. Yeah. So he's fresh 33, which is still prime, obviously. But um, the point I wanted to make was, you know, like, to get the, ben- the full benefit of training with a guy like that, you got to be doing that for a long time. It-, it doesn't happen right away. Now, I do think he could probably pick up a few things uh, specific to certain forms of engagement with Makachev that could prove beneficial, certain ways to hand fight, certain things that they like to look for, blah, blah, blah. But over the course of time, I mean, just look at the numbers here. Takedown accuracy for Charles Oliveira, 40%. That's a little bit not a real way to measure it by virtue of the fact that some of those takedown opportunities are just things he's looking for to set up like the clinch or a choke. But just keep that as it may, be that as it may. Takedown defense, 57% is just low. It's just low. That's low for a champion-level fighter. It's low. Conversely, Islam Makachev, takedown accuracy, 65%. That is very high. Two of three is fucking high. And then takedown defense, 88%. 88%. By the way, in terms of takedowns attempted, Olivera, 2.46 per 15 minutes. Islam Makachev, 3.41. Submission attempts, 2.9 by Olivera. Again, some of those are half-hearted ones. And then Makachev, 1.2. Dude, Makachev doesn't have the names on the resume But the numbers that he produces are fucking ironclad. They're not super dynamic offensively, but there's just not a lot of weakness to what he shows as well. All right, then
1: specifically about what I had asked you, what do you think Charles Oliveira is specifically focusing on in the advancement of his wrestling here to best help him in this matchup?
0: So here's what I think where this could prove beneficial, right? Um, the Russians have their own style of wrestling the famous Russian tie is when you have two on one with two hands on one arm it's just sort of an example Not, Habib uses a little bit, Islam uses a little bit I don't mean to bring it up as like that's the thing that they're going to be focusing on but having familiarity with some of the things that they try particularly from Sambo, would be important here's something that folks should understand one of the things that like judo has wrestling and trips and wrestling has wrestling and trips, but they d- focus on the different things, different ways and in different proportions. They have different setups for it, but they all tend to have like, there's a double leg in judo. It's called the Marote Gari. You can do it. They've since banned it in international competition, but these systems all kind of have the same similar answers. One of the things that Sambo stands out for at least in MMA purposes is that these guys are very good about going for leg attacks, single legs off balancing, that kind of a thing and then switching to trips or throws from there, oftentimes from overhooks, not necessarily from underhooks. And it's weaving back and forth. They try to throw you one way, you balance, they trip you back the next way. And it's not the same as going from a double leg to a single leg to a fireman's carry, which is all in the same kind of family of attacks. They're switching families of attacks while they switch directions. That's a big thing, especially along the fence line. If I was Oliveira, I would want to have a clear sense of that. Which, by the way, he likes body locks. He likes body lock trips. He likes those takedowns. But he's probably not going to be as good at in that scenario as Islam. So knowing the kinds of chains that Islam is going to attempt, like what's Charles Oliveira really good at? Not just in jiu-jitsu, although especially there, but in striking as well. He attacks the transition. He doesn't wait to get to a position before he starts attacking. He attacks it through the transition itself if i know by training with this coach that if i have my foot here and we're locked up in this way he's going to go for the trip there if that fails he's going to go for the whatever the other direction if i can understand what the chain of attacks are going to be that <clears> means <throat> i can get my offense ready to a- attack the transitions between them that is where it could be hugely beneficial but just overall ability overall ability in those areas one two three camps is really not going to be enough to make up the
1: difference okay okay i'm with you on that one Damn, this is uh, this has got me.
0: How long does this one go? Aver- Let me read you average fight time. This is mm-hmm. average fight time. Charles Oliveira, 6 minutes, 55 seconds, so about 7 minutes. Islam Makachev 9 minutes and 11 seconds. So he goes, takes his time a little bit longer. I think this one goes, I think other part of, about Oliveira is this. You know, he's like, oh my God, he put away Chandler, he put away Poirier, he put away Gaethje, right. And then the Oliveira one, excuse me, the Poirier one, and then the Kevin Lee one went into the third, but then you know, finished off pretty quickly within there. I think if you're Islam, take this guy late. This is a guy who's hittable, who comes out with a lot of fury, who I don't think is necessarily, you know, going to gas in that way, but will be a lot less offensively potent the longer, like simple question, the longer this fight goes, who does that favor?
1: Who's it favor? It favors Mahachev. And what is interesting is a lot, most of Charles fights in this recent insanely amazing run and the, competition seems to keep escalating that he's doing this against is you know it doesn't go late because he you know he doesn't want to wait around and find the answer he's he puts himself in crazy situations and oftentimes absorbs the best punch of the opponent and then is able to you know figure out a way to to recuperate and then finish himself and you know he gets these guys going through all the emotions and then and then gets them out of there Mah- Mahachev has the perfect offensive attack to stretch this thing out and make it a completely t- different type of rhythm to, to where Olivera is gonna have to find late answers because look I-, I still think this one has you know greater potential than any of the recent Oliveira fights to, to potentially go late but I-, I don't think it's going the distance so if you're you know if there's any good over under bet you can play with here. We're still going to get a stoppage, but I do like the spirit of what you're saying where I think it's more likely to come late third or fourth and Luke I uh, I think I'm here to tell you that, that I got this, you know, hammer bin behind me, this cabinet, Luke, the largest one right now, the 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 handle says Islam on it. Mahachev oh. is coming on, Luke, All right, and I'm so telling it, so you so is this your
0: official pick?
1: I'm telling you right now, bet the under number 1 and number 2 you're going to be surprised. Mahachev was going to have to take something on the chin a few times because that's what happens against Oliveira. I'm not saying he's going to going to sh- shine our face off with his striking, but what he does great, even against the great Charles Oliveira, he's going to have an opportunity to do that. And you just brought up the idea of because Oliveira takes big chances and he's got all these early finishes, You know, is there a potential where he's could get exposed late? Again, I don't think he's going to fall apart. I just think this is the wrong opponent – you know, if this happens, if we go into the fourth round to be against a guy whose sole intention is to take you down, drain your gas tank, and make you less dangerous, I think he's going to do what he does, meaning Isla Mahachev, and that's going to lead to uh, his strikes landing better late and him getting a, a rear naked choke finish to, to win the championship. And, uh, like, it's in play, Luke. It's not only in play, the better the, the betting oddsmen are telling you it's it's... Most likely that it's going to go this way. Now, you can debate all you want, whether it's a finish or a decision, but I think we're going to see Mahat, Mahachev do what he does. You know, I don't think he's Habib, but I actually don't think he's that f- crazy far away from that, okay? Yeah, he's got to prove it, dude. He's got a lot to prove to us. But as that stock looks right now in terms of its value, I'm telling you he's coming on, okay? Uh, you know, what What do I know, right? Well, I'm on a good run myself right now, Luke, okay? And you can't deny that, okay? And it started with Woodley Till. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure how good the run is, but I certainly agree with you here. I actually feel like Makachev is going to win. And I've done a lot of tape study on both. I mean, the thing is this Oliveira has just beaten better guys, matter of factly. And I'm going to say this as well Oliveira isn't just more well rounded, he's just got way better offense in the totality of things. But the problem is in the one area where he doesn't have like perfect offense, certainly would be like obviously wrestling. And then in the grappling, he's very strong. But what he really relies on is he relies on making guys make mistakes, and he relies on kind of putting pressure on them to force them out of position or into bad spots. That's just really, really hard to do against Makachev. I'm going to lean towards Makachev here. Obviously, Oliveira winning, he would make us all eat crow. We would talk about how wrong and how stupid we are on Monday, which I'm happy to do. But I, I do, I agree with you, BC. You're, you're, you're talking about a guy in Makachev who, again, at this later stage in his career, just doesn't make a lot of errors, very defensively sound. I don't necessarily know. I think Makachev's going to try and make it not exciting, which means Oliveira might take even more risk. We'll see how it goes. Certainly, Oliveira is capable of winning. And again, much better resume. There's simply no denying. But that defensive well, soundness of Makachev, to me, is the big difference
1: exactly and here's something not to forget about Oliveira. who you also obviously can't forget that he's taking big chances and almost got stopped by chandler and i mean look you know he's there you can only do that so often but this Warrior will be his... dropped him too yep and this will be his uh it didn't did uh oh, no he dropped gaichi actually that was the, the flip side but here's the deal here this is well, he, 30 yeah, Gaethje
0: dropped. Well, he went to... yes but go ahead
1: this will be his 32nd ufc walk that's tied for ninth all time uh he's been through this he's had multiple eras of his career already and to his credit he found the magic formula and it's insane what he's doing but luke when somebody does this and everyone's situation is different but when somebody does this which is figure it out and also find that lightning in a bottle of momentum think mcgregor 2014 15 16 and think Jorge Masvidal in 2019 again everybody's different for different reasons and their their age Glover Teixeira was on a crazy run recently but eventually you you can't keep that up you just can't and it's not just how hard the sport is and how 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 close the margin of uh you know error is but you you can't you can't keep that up and keep that going uh and not get it on you once in a while and you know he's not going to turn old in this fight, Charles Oliveira, under any circumstance. And he's very, you know, if you if you believe in him, him by finish is, his history has told you that's also a very good bet, just the same. But when it when it's over, and remember Masvidal, like when it when the magic stopped. Now he was older at the time, but it's over, Luke. When that magic stops, this is the perfect type of trap for that magic to get stopped for good. You know, you know exactly what I'm saying, okay? I
0: know what you're I saying. All you. right, let's we're let's talk about the co event here. Topic number two: Aljamain Sterling, your reigning UFC bantamweight champion, taking on TJ Dillashaw again. BC, we start with the odds: a very similar uh, line minus 175 for the champ and Sterling plus 150 for Dillashaw. BC, what will define who wins this bout?
1: It's it's crazy, right? Because Aljo like just went through this. He just convinced us that he's not, you know, the guy everybody was painting him to be after he, you know, won by DQ and it wasn't his fault the way that went. And posed him with the belt, and you know, we all turned on him for a year, right? And then he reminded us how great he still is, right? I mean, he's amazing. But you're either going to believe in TJ Dillashaw's chances or not. But if you are a believer in it, Luke. There was one thing he loves to talk about himself. Yeah, I mean, look, he loves playing the cocky villain, because he is. That's who he is. But, you know, something he talks about is you know, my wrestling's better, okay, we can argue on that too, but also I just think at the end of the day, I'm tougher and more willing to get to go to that level and go to that place and, and do it. Again, if I, if you play that as a as a not just being braggadocious talk of a conceited guy, but who's also a badass, yes, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're completely disrespecting Aljo. Luke, he's already proven time and again, TJ Dillashaw, that he's willing to do whatever it takes. And that spirit, even though it gets can get you in trouble and he got caught. And do I think that's the only time he ever used? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. You hear a lot of people make accusations yeah, about him. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely not. But that's all part of who he actually is at the day. That's why at 36, he's able to not only come back from the two-year suspension where he didn't lose his belt, go through a hellacious fight with Corey Sanhagen where in the first round he effed up his knee and find a way to alter a strategy and win that fight and then miss another full year and then come in looking like a freaking alien. Do we have this picture, Long Island, Luke, to throw up, uh, not to vomit, but to throw up on the screen here, of T.J. Dillashaw during fight week here shredded to heck and back.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Okay, so uh, I'm not doing this casual thing where I'm like, oh my God, you see how ripped he is? Everybody, he's going to win. I'm just telling you that if this fight becomes a fight and not, you know, and, and, and if Aljo's not able to instill the plan A and control it, really like he did against Peter Jan in the second fight and give him a lot of credit. And this does become that. Well, that's where T.J. Dillashaw still got it. That's where he's still really dangerous. That's why he's getting the respect on this line. Even though he's the underdog, it's it's a respectful underdog spot. Luke, if this can become that war that we know T.J. can do, even with the age and everything that's happened to him, he's still always got a great gas tank. He's willing, like, look at the two grand fights. He's willing to get in there and, and and get dirty with you. I think the biggest thing... Or the X factor, or thing to look for for me is if TJ can take this fight late and make it a fight. I like his chances here, Luke. I like mm. his chances, and, and you know he can get sub too. But I don't think Aljo's going to have the control over him on the ground that he's had over other opponents. And who's striking do you like better over five rounds? You know, I, I don't think I'm believing in, in a version of TJ that's not coming through that door. Look, this guy's a motherfucker. He's coming. He's he, look. This guy will do whatever it takes to be great, and you know that. Him winning a third ch- title in this division, even with all the doping stuff, is not out of the question here, Luke. I'm not saying he's Barry Bonds, but but sometimes when people are great, no matter what happened to them, you got to recognize that they're great. People love saying Dom Cruz is the greatest bantamweight of all time, but even if you take resume out of it. This is the prototype. This is the best bantamweight we've ever seen, and he's still got it, Luke. But it's an if of if he can take it there and not succumb to what Aljo does great, you know, which is a lot of things right now, Luke. So let's give him the pound for pound respect he deserves.
0: To me, what uh, it's a great assessment. But to me, what I think really will define whether or not he wins will be just to what extent he's what kind of striking choices in terms of distance and stance he elects to to, to use one in conjunction with what kind of takedown defense he employs. Why do I say this? If the fight was just a boxing or kickboxing match, who would you favor, right? You would probably favor TJ Dillashaw. I just think he's much better on those pure terms. Aljo's got a jab, and he can stick and move. We've seen it. And, by the way, he can go the distance as well. But just on pure striking terms, I just feel like the creativity and the, the the weaponry, I should say, is much deadlier on Dillashaw's side. So that's what he's got going for him. But... The problem is, and you saw this against Jan, Jan's a better striker too. It just didn't really matter against, against uh, Sterling excuse me, by virtue of what he was able to do. What do I say this for? What what we've, we've talked about a lot with Sterling is that he is looking for back exposure. And you see this a lot with the Jan fight. But part of the way he's able to create back exposure is not just by going for a single leg, picking him up, and then dropping him, then getting outside of his elbows, which is what he did a couple of times. But it was other stuff too. One of the ways in which Jan was trying to get away when he when so what you're going to see from Sterling almost certainly is he loves single leg attacks, not to just run the pipe there in the middle, but to grab it and then run them into the fence and then do something else from there. Sometimes he can get a wrestling takedown like a double leg from there, sometimes not, but it's the single leg pickup. That's what you're looking for. So you have to decide which leg which leg do you want to put forward if you're TJ Dillashaw based on what you've seen on the tape from what Sterling likes. That's the first part. The second part is what you saw from Jan was a Jan did the correct thing, typically speaking, to get out of one of these takedowns from a single leg, which was to turn away, pump the leg, and then bring it out. But what Sterling would do is grab it, hold on to it, and just raise it, which would cause a scramble. It would force a guy like Jan to his hands, and then he could find the back immediately. What do I? So when I bring this all up, BC, it's to say Dillashaw and his team have to have an answer for the single leg where he doesn't readily give away back exposure. Because I think if he does... Sterling can't miss. Sterling is so good at backpacking, holding it, and then winning rounds that way. Sometimes he can finish from there, obviously, against Corey Sandhagen. I do think he's got better jujitsu, and I do think in terms of that specific kind of attack, he's very, very good for it. Dillashaw has to stop that before it starts and not give into it. That will define sure. his stance, that will define his striking choices, and it will define how he defends the single leg. If he gets any of those pieces wrong, he can't win.
1: No, you you deep in the chess pieces there, and you, and you explain that uh, perfunctily, Luke, if that's even a word as well. But, perfunctory l-
0: means like wor- like unnecessary or worthless.
1: Oh wow, <laughs> maybe I'll stick with that definition then, Luke. Okay, I'm <laughs> here for that too. Uh, I want to ask you: uh, big success for Aljo was able was being able to take Jan down and 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 scare him there. What, how do you compare? the takedown defense of T.J. Dillashaw to P.O. Jan, who Jan was a guy who I thought had no holes, and then I saw Aljo beat him straight okay. up. Okay, so here's the thing. Jan did
0: what he typically does. He defended takedowns in a way that he normally does. He didn't get out of anything that was, like, you saw from Jan the same types of attempts anyway that you commonly see no matter what. The problem was that wasn't going to be a good strategy against against Sterling, which he found out the second time the hard way. Uh, You can see him here. What do you see Sterling doing? Look on the screen. You saw just a second ago, single leg, single leg pickups. Dude, if Dillashaw's team is worth a shit, and they are, they're very good, they have to know that Jan, I think, got caught up in the first fight where it wasn't as big of a feature that he was dealing with some of those things. The second time around, now that you've seen it, you know that if you do anything where he's able to maintain control of an ankle and elevate it or force your hands to the mat in some kind of a way, you're in trouble. You have to down block in front of him uh, before you give any kind of angle or turn or anything like that. Jan was turning and then giving away his back thinking he could just use his standard defense, which is nothing wrong with that defense in 99% of cases. It was just the absolute wrong defense against this guy. Dillashaw now has the benefit of seeing that and coming up with strategies to get around it. The question is, will he be able to? Because again, I think if I think if Aljo finds his back, it's a wrap. I really believe that.
1: Luke, you know, my romanticized speech about what I believe Dillashaw still has and why I think people tend to look too much at the controversy and not realize the heart and 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 you know perseverity behind him, just like I said in the Charles Oliveira explanation of, you know, it's gonna catch up to you eventually, like, is it to to Harrow uh, worshiping here, to expect or, or believe that TJ can stay on this level. I mean, are we overlooking what the effects of another year off and a major knee injury can say about his movement, which is obviously going to have to be a huge part of his success here? Like, if 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 some if you heard a casual like me come out and give you a, a, an impassioned cry about why uh, you know TJ is going to win this, what's the 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 counter jab to that? I mean, how you know how realistic is it? that he can keep it, keep doing this, come back and look freaking amazing.
0: Well, he'll be 37 in February, which for Bantamweight is very, very old. Um, but he's, of course, 36 now. I think... Okay, so you want me to, like, what's the... How, how does Dillashaw do it? Is that what you're asking? Well,
1: I, I guess, do you have any concerns? Like, it, it's not... Okay, there's a way he loses this if, if Aljo outstrategizes him, you know, and, and gets it done. But is there any concern oh, that we're not getting that there's any chance that we you know he's we're asking him to keep coming back from a lot of time off and major yeah. major injuries just double shoulder surgery the knee reconstruction all that stuff
0: so what i would say is for me um yeah i mean listen to this he wasn't really active before he fought 3 times in 2016 okay that's a lot once in 2017 once in 2018 once in 2019 then he had the 2 years off and 2021, like for the since 2017, he's been just not active hardly at all, even not counting the USADA suspension. But for me, BC, like, what's the best argument for Dillashaw? Do Dillashaw was okay? So let's say 2017, 2018, right when he was just just lumping up Garbrandt. What, what would you say about him? My argument about him at that time would be he was ahead of the game. He had a set of skills which made him very unpredictable, especially in the striking department that most of his Bantamweight contemporaries at the time simply had no answer for. He was just, he had an advanced game. Now, I think the game has slightly caught up. Obviously, it's actually, I think it's caught up a lot since then. But the point being is, he had a head start in certain ways. He had a head start by virtue of his vast technical development. So, I still think his game, even if the rest of the division has caught up to a degree in terms of best practices, is what I mean. Not that they're all the same level as TJ Dillashaw. Um, is that he does still have a really keen eye and game that can be very unpredictable. I think that's what he has to do. I think he has to have unusual angles. I think his timing needs to give Aljo problems. Aljo has to second guess. If he at all has confidence that he just can time it right, grab the ankle, run him to the fence, and then after that do his magic. Well, then you know I don't really know what Al- what Sterling, or excuse me, what Dillashaw can do for five rounds to beat that. That that seems too much, but by virtue of his footwork and his placement and his unpredictability and his fainting. and his ve- He is a combination striker as well, by the way. I think that could be big. Leg kicking, we haven't even talked about that. I think leg kicking could be kind of interesting, although Aljo likes to catch kicks, so you got to be careful about that as well. I think that's the one big thing. You kind of know Sterling doesn't have like exact... Sterling's kind of got one way to win. He does have good striking, but it's not lethal. TJ has lethal striking backed by... A certain degree of creativity and unpredictability. He has to force that on the decision making of a guy like Aljo. And if he does that, he's off to the races, and he's going to hoist
1: that belt on Saturday. And backed by you know a good, a really good chin, a incredible will to win, a high gas tank. So he's bringing a lot here. But Aljo, I mean, just did a, a clinic in a way. I mean, I know the fight was a split decision, and there are there are truthers out there on the Yan side I didn't agree with. But I mean, Aljo made a step made a leap in that fight in a lot of ways and obviously it was further amplified that that he was coming off the DQ loss and put a, you know put a lot of, shut a lot of people up um okay there's one way to Luke Thomas said there there's in the end one really one way for him to win how does he make a plan b win if things if things aren't going his way Dillashaw no Aljo ooh don't know <laughs> i mean it's obviously the, the threat of the submission is always there, you know. It's not impossible that his striking could hurt TJ. Is it as likely? I don't know. You know. I mean, what is that plan B for Aljo that that may need to be there in the end?
0: Honestly, if he can't get the strike, uh, if he can't really meaningfully take Dillashaw down or find the back or something, one of those way, one of those ways in which wrestling on his terms is how the fight looks. I don't think he can win. I don't. You just th- what? What other tool would he have? That is. It's a limited portion of the game, right? Uh, the benefit to that is that he's gotten really good within that space. He's gotten exceptionally good in that space. The problem is outside of it's the same. Like, for example, you could make an argument about Habib. Like, what happens if the takedown fails, right? What's Habib going to do? Not much. Not much. I mean, yeah, I know he beat up on Al Quinto on, in a weird fight on last minute notice, but in general, like, the striking is not what's going to win him. The reason he got around it is because that shit was so overwhelming. His contemporaries couldn't do anything about it. Is Aljo on that kind of level? I guess we're going to find out on Saturday. But to, to like, is there a real good Plan B that's even like close to a Plan A for Sterling? You know, Ray Longo is a very smart guy. I'd love to see it, but I certainly have my doubts.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is. <laughs> Damn, it's a great fight. Luke, this could main event. Any pay-per-view, I'm willing to buy with my own money. I mean, what right. a great fight. But uh, Luke, it's prediction time though. It okay? is prediction it's time, time, to... time.
0: You go, you go first.
1: I, I'm sorry. I, I have been a TJ guy from day one, a Killershaw guy. And I'm shocked that he still got it at this level. But the thing is, as long as the 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 layoff and the knee injury and the shoulders and everything else, as long as you know his body doesn't take him out of it in any way, he has a particular set of skills. That's well rounded and lethal enough across the board, where Aljo could have trouble getting that plan A into effect. I like TJ Dillashaw, Luke, and I'm not going to be overly—I mean, I'm not going to be overly surprised if he if he gets a stoppage on the feet as well, Luke. I think you know we know he's always going to be coming on and he's going to give himself the best chance to win and put it all in. I mean, we you know for all the truthers that San uh, that Sanhagen should have won. And look, it was a close fight; it could have gone either way. Flip it. Dillshot did that one leg, Luke. You know what I mean? Like, so... I mean, my biggest fear for him in some ways is 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 injury or a cut or something like that that, that could hold him back. If it's 100% versus 100%, he's going to win this championship for a third time, whether we're ready to accept that or not. I mean, this guy's that good. Okay, So, hit me up afterwards when he loses and you can, you know, at B. At B Campbell on Twitter, please, drop those bombs if necessary. But for my money, this is the bet, Luke, and I hope, I hope now, you know, TJ and uh, and Aljo are not betting Luke because it's illegal per Hunter Which, Campbell.
0: Yeah, All we'll, right? talk about that. we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, by the way, just for the record, how old is Aljamain Sterling? He's 33, so he, it's not like uh, he's as old. BC, listen, I thought Jan was going to get it done against Sterling, and he didn't, and I just said if Sterling's A game doesn't work, his B game is just not nearly as good. It's not nothing, but it's not going to be enough I think, to power him to victory. But the problem for me is I was so wrong about him. I was so wrong about him in that Jan fight. I can't do it twice. I just can't. I, I, I Listen, these odds, you could make a very good case for Oliveira, for Makachev, for Dillashaw, for Sterling. It's not very difficult to do. But in having been wrong about Sterling and then having to reflect on that, I would not like to compound my errors. And I do think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be close. Probably you know split decision type territory to be quite honest with you, but I think Sterling's going to have enough to get it done. We don't. I. I that's. I don't know. I don't know. But we, hey, we make shall no see.
1: mistake. Make no mistake about this. If Sterling, as the betting favorite here, wins this, you know he better be in your top. You know, four pound for pound. I mean, like, they, like, mm. like. Let you know you you take away that DQ fight, and I know it's hard to take away the idea that you look like he was on his way to defeat, but. Come on, Leon Edwards, you never freaking know. He's on a hell of a run himself. He's been getting better fight by fight. I'd love to be wrong on the idea that Aljo isn't going to come out and take it to another level because, Luke, I give him so much respect for the run he's been on. Part of what makes this fight so great. Can't wait to see what it looks like Saturday. Yes. Yeah, I mean,
0: again, if you not if you throw away the first Yon fight because it was just inconclusive, I think is the best way you could put that. Still, he would have consecutive wins over at that point San Hagen, second Jan fight, and then if it happens on Saturday, Dillashaw? Shit, bro. That's, Dude, and he hey, subbed
1: San in like a minute, too. We can't forget that part of it. Dude, I that mean, is that's... like
0: a murderer's row of fights if 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 he can get through it. So we shall see. All right, BC, how about maybe the funnest fight on this fucking card? To be quite honest with you, we stay in the Bantamweight division. Pyotr Jan, the former champion who lost his belt to Aljamain Sterling, takes on Sean O'Malley. This is a number one contender versus at the time it was made anyway, a number 13-ranked contender, BC, what is the best-case argument for Sean O'Malley? Tell me how Sean O'Malley wins.
1: That, that, although he hasn't been able to show it yet, some of his doing, some of his bad luck, some of his two-year USADA suspension, right? He never quite got the full arc the way it's normally done, so there's still inconclusive evidence of a of him losing to Marlon Vera, you know, it's not a fluke. I mean, he lost by TKO injury, uh, but it doesn't tell the full story. Neither does coming back against a consistent stretch of competition that wasn't overly great. And, you know, we know what was going on with his contract, and now they, you know, resigned him, and he's going to get paid for the opportunity to be a star. And if he does, he's going to get paid a lot more than that. But we don't know. And, and when we don't know, we, like – we can get mad at times and say a guy doesn't deserve it. And, I mean, Dana White just confirmed the winner of this is getting the title shot. We, we pretty much knew anyway that was going to happen because you can't deny a, a star like O'Malley when that momentum's coming. Um, the best-case scenario in in saying that it's possible here is he's a dynamic striker. Uh that's the the greatest weapon I would want for him in a fight against, you know, Piotr Jan, who has so little holes, you know. I mean, you know, if any, right? Yeah, the back to back losses there against Aljo, but is just as good as it gets. And I know both sides said they asked for the fight. Well, the fans have to be happy for it. It's a number one contender fight. But if Sean O'Malley has that magic, that's why. You... So look, I want to stay here. People are saying the best way to dis- dis- describe this fight is it's kind of Aldo versus McGregor, UFC 194. Do you buy that? Because I think that best explains the argument of, of why and how Sean O'Malley... Basically, I think Sean O'Malley has the opportunity to potentially win this fight by stoppage without showing us everything he has and teaching us everything he's got. It's Maybe it's not as likely, and that's where you can use your betting money how you believe. But if he's going to win, Luke, I do believe it, it'll end up being kind of... The poor man's Aldo McGregor. Is, am I crazy here? I mean, that, that's what it is, Luke.
0: I guess I just don't even really understand the Aldo McGregor argument.
1: The idea that he might not actually be better than Piotr Jan, and he may not actually be as good as the hype ever says he will be, but that doesn't mean there's not an opportunity for, here for him to win it. That doesn't mean he's armed with the ability to, to do so. And if he is better than we think he actually is, and he looks pretty damn good, right? You get that momentum and that magic. Sometimes moments happen. That explains to some degree McGregor. Aldo. I think that's that's not a incorrect co- comparison. If O'Malley wins and does it with with a shot, Jan doesn't see coming and in a stoppage.
0: Yes, that in that way I could understand it. Again, the the sort of idea that Jan would come charging out of the gate, I think it's possible, but highly unlikely that's and i'm not not saying 10 seconds
1: luke i'm not saying a 12 second repeat it could be two and a half rounds but the point is like o'malley doesn't have to be better than him to win this so he is a very live dog here in my opinion luke because there is an element of like the star power leaps off of him now is that star power just colorful tats and hair obviously we believe he can strike i think there's some magic to him meaning that there's some there's a there's a ceiling that we don't fully understand where it is yet Okay, the Marlon verified has to be mentioned. We learned certain things there. It was not a good look. I didn't love his reaction afterwards. But I haven't... Ha, ha, do, you, do you think you've seen a hiccup in his game? I mean, I guess you have to then talk about the Pedro Munoz fight, right? Did you well, see enough negative things in there to give you pause? Again, I felt like it was weirdly inconclusive.
0: It was also weirdly inconclusive. I watched it again this morning. Pedro Munoz, for folks who can't remember, he was mirroring um, the same side stance. So if if... For example, if O'Malley went righty, he would go righty. If O'Malley went southpaw, he would go southpaw. So he could have that outside leg kick to batter. Sean O'Malley checked a bunch of them. Um, Some of them got through, obviously. And I think most people had Munoz winning the first round, and then we never really got out of the second, and then it was the disaster that it was. What do you really draw from that? O'Malley was offensively muted in that fight by the distance that Munoz was covering, and those leg kicks that he... They weren't like, some of them were landing hard, some of them weren't, but it just kept O'Malley a little occupied, I think is the way I would put it, or just minimized in terms of what he could really get going. He was cooking up a little bit more with his punching in the second round. Some stuff was starting to get through before the eye poke happened, and then that was that. So, you know, again, like people are like, well, do we have a clear sense of O'Malley's upside? We don't. We don't have it. It seems like it could be a lot. Well, do we have a clear sense of his vulnerabilities? Even that's a little murky, BC, because we're not exactly sure how much of that is the verify it was just a moment in time oh, for or sure. something that you can scale. The thing for me is I, I like, this is the one question I would have for uh, the case for O'Malley, which is who is the best dogged wrestler that O'Malley has faced top of your head. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying. Yeah, yeah. If you look at
0: the guys he's fought, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority, are just a strikers more generally, and b guys that just wanted to strike it out with him. I think wasn't that the
1: same narrative that McGregor faced heading into the Aldo fight? Because to some degree, the Chad Mendes win was inconclusive because of the short camp. To some degree,
0: yeah, and then also McGregor had like injuries and like you know had to have a weird strategy and stuff like that. So there's something to be said for that. The difference is that. Aldo had lights-out takedown defense, but he didn't have lights-out takedowns. Sean, excuse me, Piotr Jan has very good takedowns, very good ability to find them, very good ability to have good ground and pound, to hold people down. If I'm Jan, I'm testing the fuck out of
1: that big time. Oh, I'm kicking, him in this, I'm kicking him in the calves and shins like it's going out of style. I'll kick him in the toe, Luke. I'll kick him anywhere, okay? I'm yes, just kicking, the kicking him. Is, the
0: kicking, I think, has to be part as well. You couldn't get away
1: from it. You uh, need you to, to be... be- Jan's as brutal as anyone in this game, and you need to be physical and brutal to make sure the the, the that you can't just break. Like like We don't know. We don't know who O'Malley is. He may right. be brittle at the end of the day. We don't know. you got to find that out early if you're young.
0: Right, exactly. I think you do have to test that part as well. But if I'm Jan, I'm going to look for takedowns, and I'm going to look for any kind of ground and pound where I can punish him, especially to the body, knees to the ribs, um, if you can do it, you know hard leg kicks if they can happen as well. But I want to, I want to put blood in his arms. I want to make him slow down because uh, listen, if just I mean just think about it logically, right? BC, if O'Malley is at distance and he's dancing and he's fainting, and his fainting is excellent, by the way, very good at it, right? If he's doing that, that's a tough guy to beat. But if you can wrap up with him, at least force him to the ground, heavy ground and pound at times, certainly in transition damaging the body, really kind of going forward, making him wrestle, making him work on those terms. Dude, that's just a very different kind of fight that frankly, yes, there's a lot unknown about O'Malley, but the fact that we haven't seen him pass a kind of test like that makes me feel like that would be difficult as well. Now, the tape does show, look at the numbers here, takedown defense, 64% for Sean O'Malley, takedown accuracy, Those are fine numbers, especially for a guy who prefers to strike anyway. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not against anyone who's a really sincere, dynamic takedown threat. Well, hello, Jan is. If I'm Jan, I'm leaning into that all the way. By the way, takedown defense for Jan, 90% takedown accuracy, 61%. That is high, very high. this is a
1: great fight. And it's a great fight because of what we don't know. Obviously, it's like damn I mean this is such a big fight for Jan that we like I think is somewhat going understated too. I mean the two straight losses and uh you know like he could he could stay as dangerous the rest of his career but he could also like lose this and and, and never be back to where he was you know the magic could be gone for him in terms of peaking and finding the very best of him. he has a lot to prove that he can come back and make those adjustments and be that gritty. it's certainly in him I mean look that's why it's such a hard fight to bet. Because there's so many more reasons to like Jan, and it goes beyond even the, well, what we haven't seen of O'Malley. Like, just O'Malley might be, I mean, again, that's why those McGregor comparisons kind of just easily stick in a weird way, because, you know, is he more well-rounded than a Conor McGregor? Well, maybe, but, you know, he's still heavy into what he does great and doesn't you know take on too much other stuff and yeah there are questions and concerns did Munoz disarm him too easily or, or would or, or if that was a five-round fight would O'Malley been able to keep the poise and still be as potent and dangerous and find his moment and deliver he also could crumble before our eyes it's, it's a hard it's hard to bet either way and it's like maybe this is what people hate about this show when they're a big Luke Thomas fan because Luke's coming out with stats facts possible scenarios that he's seen before with his eyes and OBC's over here talking about alchemy, Luke, and the cosmos coming together and the moon, you know, in the in the moon of cancer, and can that make somebody the best they've ever been for three straight fights when the sun's shining on them? But Luke, whether you think that's just the way it goes or there's some higher power connected, sometimes people that are that are destined for greatness find a way to get there no matter what. And for McGregor, there was like magic in that. Tim Tebow, that one year, there was magic in that. I just watched that Jeremy Lin doc, right? There was there was lightning in a bottle for about three weeks there, and Jeremy Lin was pouring it all over him, right? It was like when those old people found those, those alien eggs at the bottom of that pool and cocoon, and suddenly they're doing windmill dunks, and, and they don't need Viagra anymore, Luke. It was insane. Do you believe Luke Thomas at the end of the day? Go get into the cosmos with me, Luke, okay? Tune in, drop out, all that stuff that Sean O'Malley is destined to get there cuz if he is he's going to win this fight Luke and it's going to go beyond your your analysis about takedown defense percentage you know what i'm saying you know exactly what i'm saying you just don't want to believe that, that 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 he he may be the chosen one Luke and and you can throw your your pick up and, and it doesn't matter anymore
0: well i just you know i can only introduce what are probable or possible outcomes i can't introduce the totality of them nor do i have a crystal ball to to know exactly which one will which makes any kind of analysis have to be hedged in that way. But I but certainly you can't, don't believe in, you can't don't overly believe in romanticize. astrological nonsense, if that's what you mean. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe in any of that bullshit. There's total nonsense for people who are largely unthinking rubes. Anyway, to answer Luke, the question. Look, you
1: could argue that I was destined to get exactly where I am right now. And and even Luke yeah, Thomas's you darkness you, 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 you could you not get weren't. in the way you, of that.
0: You worked hard to get here. You weren't destined for shit. Um, you just made it happen. That's the difference. The point I wanted to make was, dude, like, like, is there a real possibility here, and like, not a bullshit one, that you, that a guy like O'Malley, who has now at this point had inconclusive to your, I think your very appropriate term, moments that make getting a read hard to know, but in quietly, in and he's just getting better and better and better. You didn't get a fuller, clear sense of who he is. He arrives at this moment by Horka by crook, and then he just demolishes Jan. Yeah, absolutely. Is Jan deflated from his loss to Sterling, and is he second-guessing things? Certainly seems possible. Like, all these things are really real. MMA is fucking crazy. It is crazy, and it's batshit. But I just don't believe in nonsense like destiny. I don't believe in nonsense like fate. What I believe is skills and opportunity, and sometimes just a little bit of serendipity along the way. Um, And so, not from the universe, just by how factors work out, and there are reasons to believe very much so that Sean O'Malley. You heard Dana White say he could be a global superstar for us if he wins this bout. Like, holy shit! I don't think that's wrong at all. Um, but
1: Luke, it's, even it's even difficult. serendipity needs some fuel to get there, Luke. And that's why I think the power it was not Jared Cannonier's crystals until the until the Odyssey yeah, fight. Yeah, was it? I, it was until that fight. I think that's you know his yeah. All right. Go. I think make that a pick, that that, that right nipple. It was like the, the kryptonite for the crystal. You know what I mean? The saggy nip. And then there we go. There it was. Yeah. You mean Izzy's titty? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, I didn't think we'd get this deep. And I thought you'd shut that shit right down. Well, but d- you're like, Didn't they call it titty gate? Wasn't it called titty gate? Yeah. Titty. Yeah yeah, yeah, t- 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 yeah. yeah. I All hope right, it's not P.E.D. on titty, Luke. I hope not. Okay. I yes,
0: not. of course not. It would ruin the fight. All right, BC. What do you think?
1: About this fight? Give me a pick. All right, I don't have the same confidence. I'd love to do the Dillashaw bit all over again, right? Or the hey, I know Charles is great, but dude, Mohachev's coming on. I-, I feel like this O'Malley thing is possible, Luke. And and it would have to be part of what you're saying where Jan is just a little, you know, a little off. We don't know that. But O'Malley also has the type of surprising striking that could rattle him. That could hurt him. That could change it into more fight or flight mode. And if Piotr Jan goes too far into the into the fight part of that, you know he could get stopped here. He also could absolutely break down Sean O'Malley in every single category and and nastily sit on top of him and beat him. That's also in play. But I do believe in miracles, Luke. I do believe in magic. I've seen and felt shit, Luke, that you would shake you to your core. I think Sean O'Malley is going to knock him out and win this. Wow. And and it's not the fan in me. It's not. It's not, I'm not telling you to put your money there. I believe I, I, Dillashaw. Put your money on him. He's going to win this. This, I you know, there's no crystal ball telling me it, but sometimes Luke, you know, even yeah, real recognizes is real. Sometimes Luke and I, I recognize that there's that O'Malley's got a, a a rocket ship of momentum, and it's and again that rocket ship like like Star Wars is all dirty and shit. Right? We don't know for sure if he can clean it up completely. The the Marlon Vera fight may be everything most people have needed to see, and they feel like they know who he is. I don't know if he's actually that dude, but he may win this fight without us actually finding that out, Luke. And if that happens, it will be a UFC 194 Aldo McGregor comparison. And that's the truth.
0: Listen, I take that possibility seriously. O'Malley has power. How big is the reach differential in this one? Let's see. O'Malley with a 72-inch reach. Jan with a 67. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's a lot, dude. That's a huge difference. Already for a guy who, you know, fights tall, too, in certain ways, fast in-and-out movement. We've seen one-punch knockout power. Um, and even against Howley and Paiva, didn't knock him out with one shot, but one shot completely changed the equation, and he finished him off thereafter. Like, I, I O'Malley knocking him out would not be surprising. And it's weird because I went with a guy with a less proven resume in the main event. Here I'm going to go with a guy with a more proven resume for that reason that it's more proven. I'm going to go with Jan. I just have too many questions about O'Malley at this stage, and I have too many answers about Jan at this stage. And there's good and there's bad, and this is a tight fight. Again, we go back to the odds. We currently have Jan at minus 265, O'Malley at plus 225. For a one versus a 13th rate contender, that's fucking close. That's really close. But, but, skills win fights, and we just know that Jan has more and is a little bit more, uh, and particularly in the one area where O'Malley is against... A, a, a guy who's got very good takedowns somewhat untested for me I got to go with Jan in that one all right BC for the rest of this main card we have two more fights we'll, bring, we'll we'll lump them both together here for topic number four we have Benil Dariush taking on Mateusz Gamrot and then of course Caitlin Shukagan taking on Manon Fioro let's start with the first one Dariush about a, about a, at the con- time of this recording about a plus 160 Gamrot at minus 190 Gamrot coming off that fucking amazing contest against Armin Saryuki And Darius, kind of the forgotten guy of this division, but a pretty good resume, just the same. What is your sense about this matchup? Do you have a clear read on how this one's going to go?
1: You know, favoring things like momentum for sure. and it, I mean, Gamrot feels like he can do a lot right now. That was a mature win he just had against Saryuki, and that really opened our eyes. But I wonder what the fallout for Darius is, where like, Luke, you know, he's 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 on a heck of a run. No one ever talks about it. There was the idea coming in, he's given a spot on a pay per view card that's that's gonna have so many eyeballs, some big deal. And the idea coming in was like, okay, well, what if he goes out there and knocks Gamrod out and you know grabs the microphone and you know, maybe he could get the next title shot. Well, now that the company's like, Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 bro, right? No. Does that deflate your balloon? I mean, Volkanovsky just stole everything he's worked for, Luke. That that makes you either come back from the reality show in Central America looking to baptize people, or sometimes that, that gets you, you know, a, an okay performance. And if you're okay against Gamrot, he's going to control the fight and win it. And if Darius is not in the right focus, he sometimes can take big chances and take damage. You know, s- skill for skill, dude, he's certainly in this fight, but... How much do you take into account all that other bullshit, Luke? Because you know Gamrat's solid, and if he can find a way to expose you, he's gonna he's gonna play that note all night long.
0: I don't have a clear read on this fight at all. Now they have a common opponent in Diego Fajera, um, which Gamrat was able to stop inside of, I think two, and he went the distance. And the, well, the second time they went the distance with Dariush. so. Um. You know, they both beat him, but what does that really tell you? The thing is this. It's like if it stayed on the feet, I think Gamrot would lose. But Gamrot is, of course, going to go for the takedown. But there's two problems with that. One, Dariush has like pretty good takedown defense. And then two, let's say he gets it, because I, I do think he will eventually get a takedown. It's like Dariush's jiu-jitsu is real good. Like it's real, real good. Uh, it's one of the most underrated parts of his game, as a matter of fact. His, his de- defense there as well is pretty strong. So it's like I, I bet that Gamrot can get it, the takedown, but not easily. And then from there, I think he can hold him down and like ground and pound him. I guess if Dariush elects to stay there, which he might, maybe he could, but I just don't think so. I just feel like Gamrot is a better athlete and probably a better wrestler, but I feel like Darius just has
1: more weapons. Does that sound reasonable to you? I think, that definitely sounds reasonable. Do you know what else sounds reasonable? Uh, predicting that this fight will go the distance. I think it will because Gamrod is very technical, and I wouldn't say safe, but like like he's gonna he's gonna find his his lane, and he's gonna and he's gonna go after that. Luke, um, I think that Darius is more dangerous. So it, you have to you know he's either going to use what just happened, which feels like the door closing in front of him in terms of you know the hope. You're saying there's a chance. No, there's no chance now. You're not getting the next title shot. So that's either going to drive him, Luke, to get attention anyway. And and I think if if it drives him the wrong way, this is the wrong fight for him. And maybe that's why he's the slight betting underdog Darius coming in. I do agree that he is more dangerous, but can he can he can he put it together here, Luke? That's the question. Gamrot doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He doesn't give you a lot of chances. He's a little stingy, Luke. You know, and that's a good thing.
0: It is, but I just don't know how many like solid weapons he has but the, here's the other problem too. It's like well, oh, oh, Darius... oh,
1: oh, 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 hold on. What if that weapon was just a jab and a takedown, Luke? What if that was the weapon, and then you go three rounds, and then and then he wins the fight?
0: Mm. Dude, like what? I, you, I I just don't buy that. Darius is just gonna lay around. Like I just I I that seems very unlikely. The numbers they're relatively even. Surprisingly, Darius gets hit less. Although I think he walks into bigger things. Um, the numbers for Darius: three point eight strikes landed per minute. Absorbing 2.58, he has a positive differential. Gamrot also does, but barely. Lands 3.4 strikes for a minute, but eats more at 3.19. Although he has slightly better defense. I'd have to see how the numbers were uh, calibrated. But this is the big difference, BC. Takedowns per 15 minutes, right? Darius, 2.11. It's pretty good. For fucking Gamrot, 4.83. 4.83 with a 90% defensive takedown rate. Man, that is Overwhelming. If you shut off that spigot to the takedown, what does the rest of his game have? Not enough for Darius, I don't think. And even if he gets it, I don't know how long he can maintain it. It's 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 a winnable fight for Gamrot, to be very clear. It's a close one. It's really hard to get a beat on this one. But I just well, feel like his offense is a little bit more lopsided and, and somewhat limited.
1: If it's boring, Gamrot's going to win it. If it's a fun fight, Darius will win it. There you go, Luke.
0: That's a fair way to put it. All right, and then Caitlin Chukagan taking on Manon Fioro. Fioro, by the way, a minus 205 favorite. I am very surprised to see it that high. Chukagian at plus 175. BC, you know what Manon Fioro likes to do. She sticks and moves. The sidekicks um, are a big part of her game. She does a lot more than that. You know, she's constantly on the move.
1: Uh, do you think Chukagian's being overlooked here? I don't if you subscribe to, to how I kind of see it right now, which is – Farot's just a better version of what Chukagian does, and she also is a little bit more dynamic. And that's a bad formula, in my opinion, for, for, for Blonde Fighter Luke, who I'm glad that she got the contract resigning, because that would have been lame to see her go on another win streak and then, you know, go sign somewhere else. Although if she was able to leverage to get more money, you would have understood why. But I mean, she's as tough as out as this division can find consistently. But She's got to control you and fight on her terms for the most part to do that. I don't think she's going to, you can put Furrow in a box with that striking ability and, and expect Caitlin's footwork and jab to control and win this fight. Uh, I don't know yet how good Manone is, but so far we, we Luke right? I mean, you know, us French, we just, you know, we could, we just, uh, we're on the same wavelength. Okay. Manone Furrow, and myself, uh... I like her chances a lot here at doing exactly what the UFC hopes she will do in this placement in this spot, which is to get us excited about the idea of her fighting Shevchenko, Luke. Because you, you're not going to wait around long in the rankings here. You if you got a shine on you, you're Jessica I with a three fight win streak. Well, I guess here we go, evil. Here we go, right, Luke? That's how it works here. Hmm. Okay, Manone's hmm. no going to win this fight. You You don't have a way to tell me any differently, Luke. It's not well, here's in the, you. I mean,
0: here's the thing. It's like for feroz feroz existing skill set, Chukagian is a, you know, she's a tough fighter, but like you would want to fight someone like that. If you're Fioro, like not a dogged wrestler, you know, not some kind of, you know, jujitsu ace who can take the back or something. They both like to fight at distance and at distance Fioro, I think is a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more physical. By the way, look at the numbers again, different sample sizes by virtue of how longer Caitlyn Chukagian has been in the UFC. And she's got good numbers too. But for example, Chukagian 4.5 strikes landed per minute, Strikes, <clears throat> strikes absorbed, excuse me, 4.26. Positive differential, but barely. For Fioro, 6.6 strikes landed per minute, 2.52 absorbed. Has a 70% defensive striking rate. Dude, that's, those are great numbers. Those are really, really great numbers. I, I, I would be surprised, honestly, if it stays on the feet. If it stays on the feet, I would be surprised if Fioro loses. To be quite candid.
1: I mean, Chukagin, let's give her credit. She can really take advantage. Median flag there, see that? yes what wait what what is the story with that luke
0: well chukagian is quite obviously an armenian name bc i'm
1: sorry it wasn't obvious to me i'm not doing a bit it wasn't obvious that's why i I asked so
0: as a a, okay fair enough as a general rule not always obviously but as a general rule if you want to identify an armenian person the last three letters of their name will end in a -A y-a-n or an i-a-n parisian borean chukagian
1: notre dame legend my mom's last my mom's name was luke say again Era Parsagian, the, the legendary Notre Dame football coach. Uh is he Armenian as well? He probably is. I'm not entirely is, I mean.
0: sure, but my mom's maiden name was Georgian, right? So that, that's a sort of a common way to identify Armenians.
1: All right. Thank you for that history lesson. I appreciate that. Uh shout out to my favorite Armenians, Luke, System of a Down. Serge <laughs> Tankian.
0: Sorry Tankian. They're five, like their five
1: star new metal, neo metal classic. Uh, uh what was the name of that record, Luke? Uh Toxicity toxicity no well, yeah 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 it was it was yeah it was Rick Rubin was just reliving the memories of that on the Joe Rogan podcast Luke so a lot of I didn't people hear know. how was that episode I only saw that part so I don't I don't know but uh yeah I know they talked about uh pro wrestling uh all right somebody's all right, great, asking great, me in the chat great, great what great episode never heard it right <laughs> yeah pretty much Mikey what about Cody what what about Cody yeah, oh Oh, CBS sports his own, Cody Otakurkian. Yes, yes. Yeah, the New Jersey's o- finest. Another one of our very, favorite Armenians very
0: Armenian name maybe. along
1: with um yeah, you know, Anouk Makopian. Great guy. Have met him, actually. Okay. Yep. All right. Very yeah. good. Carl Parsegian. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So look, what Thank I was you. really saying was that Chukagian can expose you if you're incomplete or if you're an unfinished product. Uh I don't think Firo is either. I mean, she's not you know completely well-rounded, but she's pretty dynamic in what she does. So that, that's a bad formula for Chukagian. So there's your main card, Luke. When are we going to break down this Sean Brady fight? Friday?
0: Friday. Friday. We'll talk more about the main card with our guest on Friday, and then we will also get to the rest of the stuff on the card, including the Sean Brady fight. Um, so we'll see. All right. Uh, let's do some quick hitters here, B.C., The UFC has issued bans on fighters gambling on their events. From a letter from Hunter Campbell to the fighters that says more than this. By the way, it's not just the fighters. It's other ones too. But let's just talk about the fighters. Quote, the UFC's contracted athletes are not exempt from these prohibitions, which state legislators and regulators have implemented for the purpose of maintaining the integrity of our sport in order to assist our athletes in understanding their obligations under the laws of the majority of states in which sports betting is permitted. And in further support of these integrity measures, UFC has incorporated a wagering prohibition into the UFC athlete conduct policy, expressly prohibiting athletes from wagering on any UFC match. Now, what they did say was, if you have some kind of gambling sponsor, like a you know, fan duel or some shit like that, you can keep it. But what you cannot do is then personally make bets on fights, related, any kind of UFC fights. By the way, you could still do like Bellator fights. You know, I would imagine you could still do one or PFL. So you you don't have to like stop sports gambling or even MMA gambling altogether. But UFC fighters can't gamble on UFC fights. BC, what do you make of this?
1: I mean, while we can just as easily file it into, you know, the corporate overlords, once again, Darth Vadering the poor, you know, peasants on Tatooine. It's also a really smart move for the company. You know what I mean? Like to, you know, prevent that level of, of, impropriety or or just you know fighters having the inside access of being teammates of other famous fighters and all that stuff uh it yeah luke it's just why you can't win a contest if you're you know aunt works for the company right i mean it's it's not it's not crazy here luke
0: uh here's the thing i actually do think it's a good idea that ufc fighters should not be gambling on ufc fights
1: I mean, I, I look at it just more. You're just protecting somebody taking money to lose, right? You're just you're just really putting a protection in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's more cover your ass because again, like, what's the enforcement mechanism? How would they really know if someone was doing that? There would be no way to know. Um, so, well, there'd be ways, but you know, in general, they'd be they could get they could easily do it in in secret without their, it being detected. Um, and they wanted something on the books that prohibited this. You know, James Cross I think told Ariel Hawani that like he like doesn't make much from. His coaching, he makes all of his money from gambling. It's like, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll see what happens there. But like, here's the two parts about it. It's like they put it on the athlete code of conduct policy, which they don't enforce fucking at all. So, you know, they added it to that. It's like, what does that mean? Probably nothing, to be quite honest with you. And then the other part is of course, like, just with the stroke of the pen, they can take away more money from UFC athletes. Again, I think the UFC made the right call here, but it's the fact that they have this kind of power to unilaterally do this and also BC. You know, I don't think this by itself changes the debate. When you're looking at what the difference is between an independent contractor and an employee, the 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 rule is that there have to be like a suite of things and creating a composite picture that tells it. It's not an, it's not a clear checklist, you know, one to five. Yeah. So what I would say is this doesn't change the debate by itself. But again, however hard it was to make the argument that all oh, these guys are definitely not employees, well now you're telling them they can't gamble on the events. Now it's even a little bit harder than it was before. So that line yeah.
1: continues to get blurred a little. Now it's time to put the dental plan in that with that, right, Luke? Lisa yeah, needs braces. Fair. Yeah, I mean, for, for real. Um I mean, look, they're still gonna bet anyway, but you just have somebody else put the bet in for you, which you know, people are always no matter what, but it's not about that. It's just about if there was ever a major scandal, well, hey, we got it in our rules. You know what I'm saying, Luke?
0: Uh, All right. How about this one? Dana White has gotten into slap fighting. He got the uh, commission in Nevada, who is just a shameless group of zeros, to uh, regulate it. It will debut in late 2022. They're looking for a major broadcast partner. You might be like, oh, ESPN would never touch that. I'm like, ESPN airs Cornhole. Like, I don't think slap fighting is that far away. What's
1: that outdoor game with the little mini trampoline and you bounce the ball off it? They got world championships on there of that, too. Sl- is that Ed.
0: slam ball what the fuck is yeah, that? yeah I,
1: no, I don't know i've never played it i never played that that pole with the string that, that has a ball on the end and it goes around it a million times i mean this is like when tether you really ball? yeah like if you were ever like you know i was born in 1978 if you were playing tetherball in the 80s or 90s it just meant you didn't have a good cable package or good video games look all yeah, right it means you, know you mean? didn't
0: have friends you lonely. yeah it means you were an
1: absolute loser i mean you know if you, <laughs> all right yeah.
0: By the way, but here's the name of this league. First of all, it's called Dana White's Power Slap League.
1: Dude, this is so stupid. I know.
0: I know. First of all, can we just drop the Dana White? Like, you know, I know you're doing the whole bit, like it's the Contender Series again. But like, no one calls it Dana White's Contender. It's just fucking Contender Series. Also, the Dana White Power Slap League. I mean, could you have picked a better name than that one? But okay, (laughs) BC. So, what do
1: you want to call them? The PSL instead, the Power Slap League. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's what
0: they're called. It's called the Power Slap League. It's all the brain damage. They call themselves the.
1: Pf- PSL, nobody would care, so it's gotta be Dana White's power. Yeah, slide.
0: right. I'm sure that'll make all the difference. BC, uh, how interested are you in uh in brain damage and no skill?
1: I'm it's like it's weird. Like, are you surprised knowing Dana's character? Well, no, but I am surprised because like look look, I had to suspend a certain level of like low-rent feelings to watch BKFC, and there are parts about BKFC that I think are you know, just gnarly and carnival and absurd. But part of those same carnival reasons are the reason why I stay with it and watch it, Luke. But, you know, the slap league to me, you know, with no, I mean, no even chance of blocking or anything. It's just, it's the—it's putting your, daring somebody to put their tongue against the frozen, you know, light pole in uh, A Christmas Story. It's like, to me, it's so stupid that, yeah, I'm actually surprised Dana White at, at this level of, you know where he's at would 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 care this much and want this, but you know Luke, he's a you know it's in his DNA, Luke. It's in all of our DNA actually. We're all huh. fighters, but when it comes to fighting, this is the bottom of the fucking food chain, in my opinion, Luke. This is the lamest absolute bullshit. And you know I'm not doing this as revenge for a four minute video. You can't like this sucks. This sucks. But Luke, you know Vince McMahon had to waste a lot of money on a football league twice. I guess Stena's got to do it here, too. Maybe, or Maybe he, maybe this works and people want this, but well, not me. i like- was wondering what
0: happened to Zufa boxing. He was like, I don't know. The industry's too messed up. It's like, you know, here's code for those athletes have protections and rights that make uh, industry domination very, very difficult to achieve. But this one, I don't think it could be as big as boxing, but it's certainly wide open from an unregulated standpoint. You could very much see why they didn't want to go into boxing and why they went into something like this. The other part, too, is like, dude, you know, Dana White, listen, the guy wanted to have Limp Biscuit. I think it was at UFC 100 for, like, yeah. the Fan Fest. You know, would you would you accuse him Just of having of the best days. taste on earth? Yeah. Like, you know.
1: Well, STEM, that STEM song is still playing, Luke, okay? I mean, you know, the guy uh, likes I don't nubs know
0: things. What do you want me to tell you?
1: So, uh, Luke, here's the deal. The other Vince McMahon famous dropping of the ball, do you remember in the early 90s he launched the – the World Bodybuilding League, the, or Federation, or the WBF, or whatever the hell it was called, Luke. Vince
0: McMahon did?
1: Yes, and oh. he put a lot of money into it, and he tried to take bodybuilding, but jazz it up so each bodybuilder would have a routine. It was like a music video. they come out and do the full routine and dance, and there'd be props, and then they'd pose like crazy, and they're juiced to the gills, and McMahon's doing this like homoerotic commentary on it. And he tried to—he signed Lex Luger away from WCW just to put him in that tournament up to try to get pe- wrestling fans to watch it. I do feel this has World Bodybuilding Federation vibes to me, where like Dana's like, "Oh, UFC fans will love this," but I don't know, Luke. I mean, you know, he put some money in in whiskey, right? Right?
0: Howler head. I've not had it. So you I'm, go- know, I'm going gonna... to guess it's not very good. But I've—I mean, in, this fairness, is no different.
1: This is no different than like you know investing in your brother in law's bar because you have money now to help him out, right? I mean it's 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 that it's that low rent, but well, uh, Dude, they're
0: going to hold events at the apex. That they're going to have some events at the apex starting in uh, again late twenty twenty two.
1: Well, these events uh, air in the metaverse with Zuck, Luke at Zuck. No,
0: <laughs> all the whole league should just be guys taking turns slapping Zuckerberg. This, <laughs> this, a, this is I Zucking stupid.
1: That. No, you cannot tell Luke. Give me okay. Uh, I could just be a Dana White hater here at the moment here, but I think this is lame as shit. What percentage of MMA UFC fans are going to move over and give this a try and are like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, am I, am I way out of my depth here? Is this like a, a Jan Sixer Super Bowl? What, what's going to happen with this slap shit, <laughs> Luke?
0: If you have watched Duck Dynasty unironically and or bought an <laughs> NFT, boy, do I have a product for you. Yeah, boy, do I have a product for you. You know what I'm saying? It's like did you lose your ass in crypto and also do you like terrible shit? I can I've got I've got just the sport for you to love. Don't worry. It's
1: I mean what's your honest opinion, Luke, separate from any any jokes? What what's your honest opinion of this purchase? I mean, what the hell are we doing?
0: I mean, it's his money, he can do what he wants. It's his facility. Like I, it might make some money. I don't I don't know. I don't know how big the market is for slap fighting. I just find it to be like you know. <laughs> Like the the flotsam and jetsam of TikTok feeds, it's like, oh, what the fuck are these guys in Russia doing? Fuck that shit, you know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. The, that's the most consideration I've given to it. You
1: well, know? you know what killed the World Bodybuilding Federation is uh the steroid trial for McMahon broke right after that thing launched, and it just kind of swallowed it up and killed it. But it would have died anyway. Maybe uh, maybe something will swallow up and kill this like it did Zufa boxing, Luke, okay? We'll
0: see. We'll see. All right, last but not least, Jessica Andrade is going to take on Lauren Murphy for UFC 283 BC. Uh, flyweight fight, 125 pounds. We were wondering how this was all going to shake out here. We think... There might be something happening for uh, Grosso, who just won, although we don't know exactly. We just talked about Fioro and Shukagian. Maybe the winner there, especially if it's Fioro, gets a title shot. But I don't know, BC. Is Andrade versus Murphy, especially if Andrade wins, a, a, another sort of semi-number-one contender fight? Like, What is the stake here?
1: Uh, I thought we're surprised by this, right? Didn't we think Andrade was going to 115?
0: Um, going back down? Yes, we did. But that our, was our thought
1: process. Let right? me
0: double check. Let me double check the weight on this just so I could be sure. I need
1: it. I need to know a few things. What was her last fight? Who was that against? Who? Andraj.
0: Uh Andrade fought who did I forgot now. Hold on. It's a flyweight fight. Yep, it's a flyweight fight. That's interesting. Huh. I'm surprised by that. And Jessica Andraj is it wasn't the Amanda Lemos fight, was it?
1: Yeah, it was, she submitted Amanda Lamos after stopping Calvillo. Uh, so that was a strawweight fight. So this is, again, all right, Luke, she's... Yeah, she's, um, fight, yeah. You know, I wonder if... Uh, I mean, I thought there was some talk about her going back down, but either way, she is a, a contender in both divisions in many ways, but this is the shorter path to the top. Yeah, if she comes out here and beats a Lauren Murphy who... You know, outside of Shevchenko, you don't really handle Lauren Murphy. You don't put it on her. And she's rebounded from her title loss and is still a player right here. It's a good ass fight, but I think Andraj has has a chance to make some noise. Look, the title picture's getting getting cloudier, and that's a good thing, Luke, at one twenty five. You're damn right. And if we can if we can Luke find some some magic and and heal Tatiana Suarez, then this this division could get even better. It's
0: weird though. Obviously she lost to Shevchenko. Um Andrade did all the way back in 2021 uh via crucifix in round two. It's like okay, this might be the different the second time. And we know Murphy recently lost as well. So would the winner of this one fight Grasso? Is that how this would go? If, yeah, if like Fioro I don't think the there's shot?
1: any scenario where Andrade gets the next title shot, even with with a, a thunderous knockout. You know, I think that I think that's what the Ferro fight is is trying to tell us here. Although obviously, I don't think Chukagin would get it either. But If we believe Faro's going to win, then there's going to have to be another win for Jessica because she did fight for the title somewhat recently, which is why we thought she was going to 115, but um, her against Grasso would be a pretty damn good fight, too. Damn right, why? I mean, she's got to win this one first, Luke, and again, you don't dominate Lauren Murphy. In fact, Luke, how much are we... I mean, we're not previewing the fight today, but like, does Lauren Murphy have the well-rounded, stingy game herself to kind of neutralized in and Andrade. It'll be interesting.
0: It will be. It's a great fight. I love it. Um, so that'll be UFC 283. All right, BC. I want to remind everyone, uh, we got, we're to make it some sports betting. Speaking of sports betting, we're not UFC fighters. We're good to go. And UFC 280 is here. You can, of course, get closer to the octagon with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC right now, BC. Here's how it works. New customers can bet Five dollars on UFC two eighty and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your fighter wins. What a deal, right?
1: Dude, no, seriously. I I you know, you can bet big sums on here. I like to bet low, Luke. I'm talking about like like stingy 15 fifteen cent bets. You can last a long time off of twenty bucks, let alone two hundred here. So this is saying, hey, come enjoy. The water's fine. And Luke, UFC two eighty could not be a better spot if, if you're new to this. To kickstart it. There are so many great fights. We just broke them down. We shared our opinions. I like Islam Machev over Charles Oliveira in that main event, but it's going to be wild and crazy. Man, I like TJ Dillashaw and O'Malley. These are some wild BC picks, but if you disagree, head on over. Download that DraftKings app today. Like we mentioned, bet five bucks on UFC 280. You got 200 to play with. A lot of parlays you can put together right there, Luke. So I'm I'm excited for the people. I'm excited for the people here, all right? Right,
0: so BC let you know what to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code COMBAT. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it on the screen there. Throw down $5 on UFC 280, and you'll get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's the code COMBAT. This Saturday, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. There we go. DK, MK, time for fan subs, BC.
1: Yes, this is what we do on Wednesdays. We have you, the fan, usually create some weird artwork or like buy one of our merch and shamelessly like show us how you fit into a medium. But you send it to Morning, Cam- Morning Campbell, Morning Combat at gmail.com. Mikey, our producer, decides if it's too racy and ridiculous. And then Wednesday, it's time for fan You've submission. Viewers, brum, 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 brum. we've got mail. Viewers. Yeah, mostly, mostly male viewers. Couple really nice wives out there, Luke. A couple warriors. How about how about snarky red ginger, Luke? But she only likes one of us. Well, you know what can I do, BC? Because she's so snarky. Why do you have to be so snarky all the time, right? Like she's the worst, right? All right, let's start here from Taylor. Good day, Brian and Luke and the wider MK team. Here's a photo of myself repping the best damn combat sports podcast in the world at the recent Haney Cambosis fight in Melbourne. I wasn't a huge boxing fan before watching MK, but now I've had a sip from the boxing fountain. Nice. And it's it's pretty bloody great. Wow. I bet. Watch out. You could have blood in your urine there. Uh, Next time you're down this way, maybe for UFC 284 in Perth, let's get on the margaritas and get as plastered as Luke at an MK live show. Keep up the great work. It's Taylor. Yeah.
0: Here's the thing. I would love to go to Australia and drink with those blokes down there, but I'm not flying all the way to fucking Perth. Like, I saw what John Anik had to do. Fuck all that noise.
1: Okay, if somebody said, Luke, to meet your hungriest MK fans, you could either go to Perth or the UK. You're 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 getting ready for some fish and chips, right?
0: Uh, yeah. I, I, with one... Yes, if the answer is Perth, then yeah. I will say this. I've been to England a few times. Love it. Can't wait to go back. It's a great place. I've never been to Australia, so I am trying to scratch that itch, if you know what I'm saying. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, can we show that guy one more time, Taylor? I didn't get to see him, Luke, because he have good... Ball bag management here. What does he got? Okay, all right. You know, I mean, he's fighting the good fight, Luke. I mean, you know, maybe he's seen a gym. It's possible. I
0: mean, you know, it's time to cut the hair, my my G. It's time (laughs) to cut the hair.
1: (laughs) All right, let's go over to Andrew. He says, what's up, guys? Wanted to start off by saying congrats on crossing 121,000 subscribers. Happy to see a show I love since day one continue to grow. Well, after years of rolling, spraining, and even fracturing my ankle, I, I feel your pain. I finally decided to suck it up and get it fixed. Just another reminder in my mid 30s that I'm definitely on the road to old, washed, white dad status. Yep. Damn. Surgery was a success at Wellstar Hospital, just five miles south of the Big Chicken. Luke knows what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. Thanks for providing a ton of content to take in while I'm stuck here on the couch. As you can see, I always enjoy the pay per view preview shows with Chuck. You guys are the best combat sports show on the planet. And don't let anyone tell you differently. We MK don't. all day, every day. And he closed by saying, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go watch some NFL turn and turn into a delinquent father. <laughs> 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 Much love uh, to Andrew from, uh, wow, that's great. Wow. That's Have you ever gorgeous, had that walking funny. boot? No, I haven't had that. I've, I've had severe strains where it's basically broken, and then you get a cast, and then, you know, you can't play basketball. I had
0: know, to sucks. wear one for two months one time. It shit sucked.
1: So I did something really bad my junior year. I didn't want to be that kid who, who was you know, leaving class early and is going around with the crutches and everybody's throwing things at you because they would do stuff like that where I come from, okay? Yeah, it sounds so, like a
0: very elite high school.
1: So I came back very early and never wore the the, the, cr- the crutches at school and just gutted it out. And I remember like the French teacher opened the door, Mrs. Pollack, and she's like, come over here. And she's like, you're going to regret this later in your life. You should be on crutches. What are you doing? And not only did I tough it out and come back early. It was because I wanted to get back on the basketball court because, you know, Luke, rec basketball in Connecticut was intense as shit, all right? And uh, I came back and played like three weeks before I was supposed to do it. Didn't tell my parents either, Luke. And, you know, that French teacher was right. My, my ankles are like flypaper right now. So uh, there we go. That's the story of my life. Yeah, Thank dude, you. I've Thank got t- my
0: right ankle. I, I, sh- I just destroyed two times yeah. in my life. And it is a complete shit show. So yeah, I've had Yay. you know
1: violent sprains many, many times on both ankles. Just ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Cubby's fan eighty. He says went and saw my pathetic Chicago Bears lose to Luke's Washington Commanders. So I figured it'd be a good time to <laughs> yeah. rep some MK. Cheers, fellas. Oh, he's got the old school sweatshirt right there. I like that.
0: Dude, this guy looks like a, sh- and I say this, and I say this very much as a compliment. This guy looks like a Chicago dirtbag in every possible way. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you this guy's one of the greatest uh music fans ever, Luke is he's that in right? my DMs. He goes like he's seen bands he loves, Pearl Jam, My Morning Jacket, like that like he's seen them like not only a million times but like he's been there where they've like recorded the live albums. You know what I mean? Like he's been there for like big shit. A great you, fan.
0: Have you been, what, what is your opinion on Chicago as one of America's bigger cities?
1: So I've only been there once, and it was in t- the year 2001 on a baseball wow. stadium trip, and I I went shirtless in the center field bleachers. Sosa hit number 50 and 51, and I uh, got the worst sunburn ever on my shoulders. And like uh, uh like a you get like a you know you know what happens if you get really bad sunburn like it turns into a scab, but then the scab like puffs out. Luke,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it puffed out like five inches that night. It was like I was growing body parts. Um. It was really that's really bad for your body. I never went back.
0: Uh, Chicago's great; it's one of my favorite cities in the United States. Great food, very relatively speaking for a big city. Very kind people. A couple different ballparks. Obviously, you got Soldier Field there as well. Uh, I like Chicago. Two thumbs up for me. Uh, their pizza's a Big is Ronnie kind of Woo Woo fan, but, huh? In the
1: in the Wrigley Field bleachers, you a big Ronnie Woo Woo fan? You know that super fan guy that dresses up?
0: No, but I remember like Harry Carey back in the day hi yeah,
1: yeah. remember 888 Luke? wasn't that the first night game at wrigley it rained i don't remember that dude yeah, watching you. watching day baseball on tv at wrigley before they got lights always felt like something special like you were like getting out of school or something you know
0: oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about now yes that, that's, that's cool yeah. but chicago's a cool town i like chicago and this guy oh. is just i mean shy town city
1: yeah, I don't think he's a, you know, I, I, he may have been there with Pat Milicic. I'm not sure, Luke. I don't know his background. All right, let's go over to John. He says, MK, uh, good morning, Donks. While watching the show Monday, I was concerned my color settings were off in my theater. But then I realized I, that's just the red tint on BC. I mean, could this guy
0: have more money? Fuck this guy.
1: It's just those gas station hot dogs rising to the surface. My guy looks like he just got done sledding the Iditarod. Oh, and Luke, you dirty bitch. How's my cable management? <laughs> <laughs> Love the content. You're killing it. It's John. Do
0: you, do you know how much dirt I would put into that fucking carpet if I was here no. at, in this motherfucker's place? I mean,
1: you would you would shit your pants in those chairs just to make a point, Luke. Right? I would
0: rub my ass across the carpet like a dog would when he can't get it off after you know dropping <laughs> a goose. Um, but
1: I'm impressed by his setup, Luke. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: this asshole has money, so now I'm I'm already jealous of his. Fantastic hey, you know setup.
1: who else has money? Luke Thomas. All right, and your orbit. I don't
0: have. I don't have movie theater in my house money. Let me okay. assure you I don't have okay. that. But yeah. I will say this. That's pretty nice. I dated a girl who, by the... You ever dated a really rich girl?
1: No. No, okay. no. We didn't have rich people where I came from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I dated a rich girl one time. One time. It is fucking nice. She had a movie theater in her house, and she also had a... This is a true story. Ready for this? Her dad had, like, some kind of limo company he owned, and he was just, you know, some local fucking oh. boss hog, you know,
1: I bet guy. she was yeah go ahead Luke. go ahead uh, let's uh, get
0: here, so. she was a piece of work, but what I wanted to say was she had a dance floor. They had like a place for parties. they had a dance floor inside of their like sprawling complex of a home and inside the dance floor they had the back half of like a 1960 Cadillac whatever the fuck and it, it lit up and everything and then out of the two pipes, like smoke for the dance floor would come out of it like and it would pump on cue to the music as well. like one of the most insane things I'd ever seen. Living that way is nice, but they were uh, they were certifiably insane.
1: They were detached from reality. Luke, this guy John. Do you think this is like a really cool, funny? Because he had a couple, he had a couple of zingers in here, Luke. But you're you're framing this as this rich asshole just wanted to show off that he has nice things, and he. No,
0: I mean, he, he, he no, no, no. Well, yes, I mean, I'm being a dick. I mean, let's just be very clear about that. I mostly am jealous uh, that I don't have something like this. But I am hey, very Hey, you have glad. an outdoor
1: gym. I mean, you've, you've gone places in your life. See, Who, I don't you really have, have an out-
0: outdoor gym. I have shit that collects in the front of my house, and then I just work out there. But that's not the same as really having like an outdoor gym. By the
1: way, you having a gym in your front yard is the second most dub tea thing about you, and I don't want you to change <laughs> for me, okay? <laughs>
0: All right. All right. If I vaped with a dumbbell in my hand in my front yard, <laughs> could you get more dub tea than that? I honestly don't know.
1: Dude, I I could I've seen that in my hometown. Believe me, I mean, I mean, dude, people understand. If you're like, if you're on, if you're on, you know, the eighth row of Delta in my hometown, and you like walk into a random Cumberland Farms, there could be a shirtless guy with a snake around his neck just walking around. Like that stuff. That's like that's the best way to describe what that's like. Look, like, okay, right. it's a wild card. You never know what's going to happen next. All right. I've yeah. seen that guy with the snake. By the way, it's ridiculous. Who brings who? Who's shirtless and crazy enough to bring a snake into a couple Cumberland farm? We got those people too, Luke. You know what I'm saying? If you don't like did that you, ha- you kiss off. Did you them handle ass. them at a religious service? No, no, uh, Luke. Let's go over to uh, JP. You know this guy right from Mount Unike, Nova Scotia, right? I do now. Uniac. Uh, he says after the events of last week, we need to make this happen. Room service diaries, happy hour edition with special guests Julia Rose and Stephen A. Smith. Toss salad is on the menu. <laughs> I heard, Luke, you're a fan of it. Wow. Wow. How did this How did
0: this get Like, Mike, you saw this and was like, yeah, we're going to put this one on the show.
1: You're actually t- tossing a salad while vaping, Luke. Can you blow that up again? We may lose our sponsors, but it's worth it. Let's see. <laughs> Look, did you see that sign above room service diaries? I mean, really, JP?
0: I, I kind of like that. I got my salad tossed at room service diaries. That is... Uh, <laughs> by the way, I mean, could I have a dumber face? Could I look worse, by the way? Could I just look worse?
1: So that mug says, I love tossed salad.
0: <laughs> God, damn, this is a stupid show.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: this is why your dad doesn't respect your career and what you've no, made of yourself. Look, okay, that is it. Exactly. Thank you, JP. Uh, let's go to at McLean training. Luke was right the resemblance is uncanny he says
0: no but they didn't get the good they didn't even get the good picture you gotta get BC when he's eating that's the only time it happens here's BC when he's eating ready put the camera on me for a second this is a true story <laughs> all right so my man will put something in his face right here whatever it is fucking brownie or whatever and he goes like this <laughs> <laughs> And it's that dude. And go put it on me one more time. Put it on me one more time, dude. That eye gets real intense because it has to overcompensate yeah, for the closed yeah. one. And it's like, you, dude, why the fuck are you looking at me that way? And he'd be like, Yo, I'm just eating. I'm like, dude, you're not just eating. You're like surveilling, <laughs> like the NSA or some shit. What are you doing?
1: Well, you know, also when I'm eating, you love to to you love to sit right next to me and talk to me about deep about life while I'm eating.
0: Luke, yeah, VC's right? like, why are we having conversation while we consume food? where I'm from we exactly. just eat and go.
1: Look, <laughs> I don't know what that tick is. It could be a, you know, a mis a malfunction. I could, you know what I mean? D- no disassemble. Yeah, we, it could be something lame like that. It's a
0: good meme though. They got have they <sighs> use a better picture, but that's a good meme.
1: Let's go over to Danger Mouse, Hi BC. Let's start with an homage to your time in Deadwood, South Dakota. So maybe it's career analysis. I'm not really sure at this point. <laughs> I wasn't there. You could take me out of it. Yeah, yeah, Jake was there with me uh there in the background. Uh, And as the doc brought back memories of the live show, here's one I didn't send in at the time.
0: Reactions to Luke's drunken antics on the show, BC production team, YouTube.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And finally, just one for the boys in the chat room. Oh boy, this is not, how did this make it through?
0: Say the line, Luke totality. Why is that? A, I, so this has apparently become a thing that I say the word to. I guess I say it a lot, which is fine or whatever for, for um, derision.
1: To be quite but candid with you, you say it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's a good word. I like it. Also, uh, why am I wearing the... You couldn't pick a better a better photo of me. I'm wearing, right, the, one where they I'm wearing make the hat you look, like a fuck face.
1: You look like an Ayatollah right there, right, Luke? I say that with respect.
0: Do you? Is that what you say it with?
1: Yeah, yeah I do. I do. All right. I actually, um, did you know our colleague, Hakeem Dermish, is the uh, first North African Sports Center host in ESPN history, Luke? Okay. And now he's rocking out CBS Sports HQ.
0: He's from Libya. Yes.
1: Yes. Represent. All right. Alan W. here. Uh, he says, Hi, it's Alan W. Why don't you put some respect on that name, you washed bitches? Damn, this guy coming out hot. Jesus. Oh, Deprived wow. Depriving you
0: of your brains one episode at a time. Wow, that's a. Is
1: this hate art, Luke? Is this like the dark side of art right now?
0: Uh, we oh we called him Alan E the other day apparently.
1: Oh, instead of Alan W. Well, you know, <laughs> you're uh, you're just oh, weird either way. Yeah. Oh, thank it, you yeah. for
0: ruining my sleep tonight. I really appreciate that, Alan E.
1: That was Halloween inspired, but let's slide over to uh, Mike K from Danbury, Connecticut. Yes, he says couldn't help but pick up this gem of a moment. When this fight piqued Luke's interest, from one donk to another, Mike K., Connecticut's own.
0: Tracy Cortez versus Amanda Hebos—that's a big one as well. Clay Guida versus Hot Sauce Scott Scott Dude,
1: the, hold on! Don't don't go too fast. Did you say Tracy Cortez is fighting Hebos? Yes. I forgot that was even a thing. That is that is tremendous. That
0: should be more my real house than yours. It should be more my real house than yours.
1: <laughs> Arrest me. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Wow, yeah, Danger that's Mouse. That's pretty funny.
0: That's pretty. No, that funny. was Mike dude. K.
1: Sorry, let's put let's let's put some respect. Mike K. Danbury, Connecticut. Well done. That was dude.
0: Wow. And I will say this: the female cops in Colombia are
1: they're uh, Buenos Noches. That's yeah. a good
0: night. So no, I wouldn't use that word. But uh, I I'll call it a great night. Yeah,
1: actually, yeah, right. Yeah, wow. Let's not let's not undersell it, right, or underscore it. Hey, Luke, we got one more, and it's JP's back. He's doing double duty today. Good day, crew. MK fans. Jake may have leaked some of the director's cut footage to inspire MK documentary number eight called "Silence of the Art: Creepy Campbell's Closet." <laughs> i mean good lord pc what's with your dark and creepy silence of the lambs inspired basement bunker studio i expected a pile of dead dead hookers to fall out of the closet when you open the sliding door classy editing job by jake to exclude your rant of now put the lotion in the basket wow love you guys keep up the amazing award-winning show it's uh yeah, dude, John, that basement's
0: uh, a little too dark, if I could be honest with you.
1: Uh Dawn and Jay. So yeah, I didn't have the like the overhead light on. Jay, I was like, Jake, is this lighting good? He's like, Yeah, it's great. So uh, maybe and, he wanted to paint that picture, Luke. At what
0: point did you tell him it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again? When did you yeah. do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Wow, that's uh who's in that bunker there? Is that Ariel, Luke?
0: That's Ariel, Rogan, and Dana, I
1: guess, that he put oh, wow. down there. Wow. Those are uh Wow, <laughs> wow, yeah. All the people you are holding till voting ends. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Good call. I good see, call. I see, I see. Yep. Wow. Okay. That's all the fan subs. Wow. JP, look, JP's damn. I mean, him and David Appleton fighting each other for creative licenses to try to become the donk of the year in this heated race, which I think we got five, six, seven contenders for 2022 donk of the year, dude. I never thought. I never thought. All right. I never knew i never knew that yeah all right what was that i think i was deep in the fray right there luke but i'm not afraid of that okay was
0: that the song wait hold on is that the song Save <laughs> <That, that stupid laughs> no one? but
1: it's, it's the same band but a different song though okay. all right all right all right yeah.
0: very good uh reminder everyone reminder we're back friday friday we'll have a special guest Help us break down and get ready for UFC 280 a little bit more. We'll do the undercard preview. By the way, we haven't even talked about it. There's a one event, one on Prime Video 3 on Friday night. We'll get you ready for that as well. Plus, BC oh, look, will be...
1: You chatted with Cade ahead of that. You should sell yes. that
0: clip. Yeah, yeah. I spoke with Cade Ruotolo. If you guys don't know who he is, he just won the ADCC. I forget which bracket he was in. Minus 77 kilo, something like that. I have to go back and double check, but... Uh, he is the youngest ever gold medalist at ADCC, and he submitted everyone in his bracket. Fucking unbelievable. So uh, check that interview out because he is facing a Sambo World Champion in a one-minute, excuse me, one-round, 12-minute grappling match on Friday night uh, for one on Prime Video 3. So we'll get you ready for all of those on Friday. And uh, we have the pregame preview. We're reminding everyone to go check that out for the for some takes from the old Iceman himself. And I'm going to say it again. Post fight show for us, instant reaction for UFC 280. I will be there for you guys yes. on Saturday, actually after ish <coughs> um,
1: These five words, I swear to you. Yes, uh, Luke. I wanted to say that. Seriously, that DraftKings gig—they put money in our pocket, but you can put money in yours. You get two hundred dollars by betting five bucks on UFC 280 by using our co- our code Combat with a K. That's guys, that's a good deal right there. Okay, so don't miss out uh we can't wait for the fights on Saturday check out our pregame preview get ready we're gonna have a we're gonna have more on Friday Luke we're gonna have a special guest we're gonna we're, we're call- dude we're attacking this card and it deserves to be attacked all right
0: we certainly are we it's certainly
1: great are. it's wonderful
0: uh all right so let's uh I think that's all of our plugging we have to do showtime is the label that pays you can go at least
1: showtime. on camera right Luke that's yeah right.
0: that's right <laughs> pipe. uh Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce morningcombat.store for all the merch that is available for your heart's content. Morningcombat at gmail.com to reach the show's producers for Friday's Dead Wrongs at this point. But in general, that's where you go. And that is it for us. BC, any final thoughts before we go?
1: Uh, no, but you know, if you're not doing anything Friday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, your boy BC on Showbox Triple Header. We're back. Check it out. Thank you to everybody, uh, our great crew, Long Island Luke, Gaff uh manich and uh don't forget mikey morms we love these guys okay they're they're weird though i mean dude trist our guy tristan the cameraman luke he has a lot of rabbit animals tattooed on his arms and you know i'm 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 happy for him i'm really happy for
0: him. people like what they like all right so for bc for malka cbs sports and showtime i'm luke thomas we'll talk to you guys on friday and until next time may all of your games be loyal